All right, Justin, A through Z. 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 Do you have any problems or did, have you had any problems recently with what are ineffectual, ineffectionately called zebras in NFL games? That is a good question. Man, um, you gave me Z. What the fuck else is I supposed to do? I ain't yeah, got nothing yeah, movie related about Z. that shit. Yeah, there's only, there's only a few Zs that there can be. I'm not going to lie. There have been a lot of questionable calls this season. The, the, there's been a ton of things that happened where you're like, man. Uh, and there have been a couple of calls where you're like, hmm, that's kind of questionable. Or you're wondering why we're not using replay, especially like when fouls are called or big penalties are called. And then they're replaying it and going, no, that's not a... It just feels dumb when all the analysts and the person who is there that knows every rule and understands the rules in and out tells you that shouldn't have been called. And then the game just continues and you just kind of sit with that and go, man. And sometimes these are like game changing calls or momentum swinging calls. And yeah, you may be able to argue, well, you can't look at that one call and say that it cost them the game, but I, I don't know. You look at the Dallas and Detroit game, a lot went on there and it was kind of a ref's determination why Detroit lost that game, you know, at the end. So th- there are just things where you look at it and you go, man, maybe we do need to change something or it needs to be regulated more like if if the people upstairs that they call them the people that review these calls especially like in the final two minutes and stuff like that the upstairs review that reviews the validity of touchdowns and stuff like that why don't they just review more stuff i don't understand why they can't review more stuff my issue with the nfl is why do the reviews take so long yeah. Dude, other sports are so quick about it. Dude, and like, I'll say this. I, I watch more baseball than you do. NFL refs are infinitely better than some of those baseball umpires, dude. Strike, bo- okay. like the way they do strike boxes <laughs> and all that other bullshit. Oh, it gets rough, dude. Especially whenever every baseball telecast out there can show you a box and tell you if it's a strike or not. And sometimes it's not close. And that ref is like just all over the place. No consistency. You know what I mean? Mm. And especially when you have in the minor leagues, they've got automated striking balls. Like it's just done for the ump Mm. because they can digitally process that shit and give them the, like in, in the same amount of time as it would for the ump to make the determination of a strike or a ball. They're getting it. You know what I mean? Like they're being told what it is. It's that quick and seamless. And you just have the professionals just in the dark ages, just doing all this bullshit. And they're like, oh, but it's the human element of the game. Yeah. You know what else is the human element of the game? The fucking players. They are also still human. So you don't lose the human element of the game. You know what I mean? Like, fuck that. Like, you still, it's not robots playing. 
It's not mutant yeah. league football and you're playing the fucking robot team. <laughs> like it's still yeah. people. There's still going to be a human element. Yeah. That's not going away, but I think it's, you hit the nail on the head. It's just, it's the refusal for the sake of tradition, even if the tradition is just inefficient. Yeah. And I'm the worst person with that because of like me getting older. Weirdly, I'm just mentally doing the opposite of everyone getting older where I'm like, the older I get, the the more I hate tradition. <laughs> like the more I hate the past and I hate tradition, the older I get. And I'm just like, we have the technology. Like, why the fuck is there not a chip in the ball in the fucking NFL at this point? Let's get first downs and touchdowns just automatically known every second of every game. Yeah. Like, I'm so fucking tired of also these, like, the one thing that kills me the most in the NFL, more than, like, iffy pass interference calls or whatever, it's horrible spots of the ball. Horrible. Mm. And I'm like, we have the technology for them just to like track the ball and know where the fuck it is at any given point in time. I mean, there's drones and cameras all over the place capturing everything. And you can't tell me we can't put a sensor in that ball that doesn't affect it. Some RFID chips that are just fucking the way like 0.0001 grams. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, we can't do that in 2023. Yeah. You got a point, and and it makes me wonder. I wish that we could, in real time, like you know how they do the the hard knocks and everything, and so like you you watch the football game, but then you go again watch hard knocks, and sometimes you get conversation, you get like the 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 coaches' conversations with the coordinator and stuff like that. You know, you get kind of another perspective of how this play comes to the field. I wish that after games or at the end of the season or something like that, I wish that they could film that, that referee process, because like you said, why does it take so long? I wish I knew what was going on there. I wish I could hear these people that are making the decisions that are looking at it, what they're saying to each other, and then how that communication is getting to the referees. What are the referees discussing? Are they going back and forth with each other? Or are they going back and forth with somebody who's upstairs? Are they arguing with the person upstairs and going, well, that's not how I see it. What I'm seeing is this, like it'd be interesting to see what actually goes into that process because I don't know. And nobody really talks about that in detail. Or worst case. I just wonder about it. Yeah, worst case, make the fucking refs do press conferences after the fucking game, too. Yeah. Hold them to, I I just hold them accountable. Make them fucking defend their fucking calls to the public. Yeah, I, I I would appreciate some of that, too, because if a player can say a certain thing about a ref and get fined, if it's that like egregious to where you're like, oh, we don't want you saying anything about the rest. We will find you. Then I think on the other side of that is true too. A ref should be able to stand up there and defend what they saw, what they were thinking, what was the conversation with the people upstairs 
And that I would find that very interesting or, or like when you just hear the next day, they the, the the NFL admits that the refs made a mistake. And that's it. It's just like, OK, so. Yeah, that's it. You just you admit that you made a mistake. Well, why shouldn't they have to get up there? We that you get to you get to have the press hound all these players and stuff like that. And that is a requirement. The players have to get up there. They have to hear all these questions. And sometimes those people ask the stupidest questions. Go go on YouTube and just look up <laughs> stupid questions asked at NBA and NFL press conferences and stuff. And dude, I could watch an infinite loop of that all day of these players having to ask answer to these stupid ass questions. Like why don't refs get held to that too? Like why can't they get up there? Why isn't there a conference for that? And why you made this call or why you made that call, especially when there's one member, the senior official, you know, there should be somebody. I don't need to see the whole crew, but maybe the senior official goes up there and explains what happened in that call. You know? Yeah. I think it would bring some clarity to the game. I'm not saying, oh, I want these refs to get in trouble necessarily, but I think it would bring some clarity to the game because maybe my anger or my, uh, my want to change things, that perspective might change if I just understood more of the process, you know, but I don't know all the facts. So I'm just choosing kind of like this movie. I don't know all the facts. So all I can do is is make a choice to believe something based on what I'm seeing and what I've been given. But give me more stuff. Give me more understanding. And maybe I'll see the whole process differently. Yeah. I mean, that's especially in the age of gambling. You you want you want people gambling? You want people, you know, you want to make that money on that gambling? Make that game more transparent, man. Yeah. Yeah. But and I think that I don't think that that's a hard thing to ask for to at least like you said, at least have the ref answer or if you know, players get to wear headsets and comms and recording equipment so that we can hear their conversations. It'd be nice if a ref wore one too. And then we could kind of hear what was going on during that call. Or if there was one call where it took a while and, and sometimes even the announcers are like, this sure is taking a long time. And they even seem sound annoyed. You know, Troy Aikman never hides it. He's always like, these refs are taking forever, but maybe there's a reason for that. Uh, but shoot, I know I know sometimes when it comes to it, like if they end up like realizing, oh, the play was actually dead a few yards before we realized it was. They're looking at yardage. They're looking at what now the down and distance is. They're looking at what the play clock should be. You know what I mean? Like they're having to go. Okay, at this point, the play clock was this, so we need to set it to that. You know what I mean? There is some elements to that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's fair. Oh, but yeah. also, like you said, Justin, why the fuck can't we hear it? 
and I and partially and it's and I'm not even one of those conspiracy theorists when it comes to the NFL or sports in general or any of that stuff. But like some of it's probably because they just don't want us to hear that shit because it might make them look bad. Like just to be real yeah. with it, it's there. It can make them look bad. You know, because hmm. I mean, I get that the refs are people. I get that they can't see everything. That's 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 fair to refs. They cannot see every single thing that happens on the field from every angle. They can't. But like you said, maybe make replay more available for certain things. Add yeah. a third challenge. Add expand what you can challenge. Yeah. You know, those types of things. Like expand, expand what is reviewable. I mean, even if it's not, even if you just say in the fourth quarter that these calls can be like, like there, there should be some things, especially like on roughing the passer and like some of these things that happen where it's debatable, whether it was really roughing or whether something was really pass interference or whether, and sometimes man, it's just a phantom call. You just see players running around and a flag was thrown and everybody's like, what even happened? Like, why was the flag thrown? Like there should be uh, upstairs should be able to go. Okay. That was not, we're looking at it right now. That was not a roughing call. So we're going to um, do away with that. You think that if people are looking at this in real time, they should be able to get that message down there pretty quickly. Like it just feels like, yeah, my understanding is that they all have a sky judge now because that's when that's the one that brings in, the reviews during the last two minutes of the halves. Okay. Why can't they go not pick up that flag? Because as far as my understanding is, they do not do much outside of assist during official reviews or initiate reviews during the final two minutes of each half. Okay. Why can't they just help in general? Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, that wasn't a roughing. Or, hey, you missed a roughing. Yeah. You you missed a PI. Throw that flag. I'll get, yeah. you, I'll get you the yardage. Give me a sec. You know. Because then they could all huddle up and then it'd be like, you know, and they could act like they're talking to each other and they're actually talking up to Steve up in a box. And he's like, hey, yeah, it was a pass interference. Put the ball in the 30. You know, that type of shit. Like. Yeah. And if you, like you said, Jason, worst case, just do it during the fourth. Yeah. Make just the whole the fourth, fourth quarter. quarter special. Yeah. At yeah. least just the fourth quarter, man, when that last quarter is, is so pivotal, just make it during the fourth. I'm not saying the whole game. And I get there are some people, you know, the sacred tradition, the purity of the game, you're stopping the game, the momentum of the game, this, that, and the other. But I think the fourth quarter is fair. Let's get all the calls right in the last quarter of the game. Let's give both of the teams the best opportunity to win, at least in that well, last quarter. Even then, though, hell, like, can we even extend it to just playoff games? Like something shouldn't shit get called wrong in no playoff game. It's one game we'll see, and you're gone. What one reason why playoffs are so terrible is because they're Frankenstein crews in the playoffs. It's mm. not the crew you've been with all year. See, they pick the mm. best people from each crew and they put them in random crews together. 
I'm like, you don't have the familiarity with each other. You don't have the yeah. the trust the in each other. You, you don't synergy. have the chemistry. Yeah. You're, you're not going, man, I might miss this, but Chris will have it. Chris has my back. You don't got any of that shit. Yeah. Cuz you're like, man, I've I've never even met Bob before. I don't fucking know how he does shit. Like that's fucking dumb. That 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 to me is the stupidest thing the NFL does with officiating. Uh we're just going to make all-star ref man. No, just put the fucking ref crews that you've had. Let them yeah. stay stay together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like cuz you, you they all have a trust with each other. They have a rapport with each other. Let them do like just you know, then you might not have these like you, at least the consistency would be the same as it was in the regular season. It feels like the playoffs just get a little weirder when it comes to calls. And that's the worst time to get weirder. Exactly. You know, this is do or die for people there. You know, there's all this money on this line. There's so much going on. What the fuck are we doing? Doing this in the playoffs? Yeah. Oh man. I do have a real quick little game for you, though. Oh. So when you hear the movie Dune 2, right? What movie would you want to watch in theaters beforehand? Like the week before to get you hyped for Dune 2? The... First Dune? You'd think. <laughs> but Warner Brothers is so far up Christopher Nolan's ass. They're releasing Tenet again in IMAX the week before just to get people hyped for Dune 2. Oh. <laughs> wow. You'd think the first Dune would be it. No, no, no. Tenet. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah, I guess Nolan's, Nolan just can't put it down, man. He's just still mad about it. He's like, man, that was a masterpiece. People should have appreciated it. Maybe if we release it now, the I guess opinion it, would it's change. Just, it's fucking absurd. <laughs> I'm like, really? What, what? He won't give up, man. That man is relentless, bro. He's something. He does not yield. Give him that. He does not yield. And just because this is a fun time to do it. Uh, you know, so everybody's been up in the arms about, you know, Taylor Swift is at football games. Everybody's all up in the arms about that. But there is a particular subset of our culture that has gone especially apeshit about it. Gee, I wonder who. And that is the extreme right wing of this country. So so much so that they are even suggesting that the CIA convinced the NFL and Taylor Swift to let this happen and, and Travis Kelsey to do this, to give her more attention because inherently having her on NFL broadcasts means that she is tricking people into voting for Joe Biden. That's a thing. Wow. Yes. Um but also there there's a conservative commentator on 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 the platform formerly known as Twitter by the name of Nick Adams. Now if you need to 
understand who Nick Adams is. Next to his name, in parentheses, he has the words alpha male. So that is just to give you a little bit of insight as to who this person is as a human being. And he says, by being on the team that won the AFC championship, Travis Kelsey will receive a bonus check of around $70,000. So far, factually true. Nothing wrong with that. For those of for those wondering why Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, are things beginning to make sense now? So, what he is implying, if you did not grasp that because of how eloquently he wrote it, is that billionaire Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey because he might make $70,000 on a single game that he just made. That's how much these fucking people are struggling with their mental gymnastics. Wow. To put it in an even better context, on August 1st of last year, Taylor Swift gave over $55 million in bonuses to everyone in her crew that worked on the Colossal Eras Tour. So, what, six months ago, she just goes, huh, man, I've been insanely successful on this tour. Hey, everybody that's worked hard doing it, here's $55 million to split between you guys. Not because I have to, but because I've made so much money and you guys helped me do it. But she's with this motherfucker because he might make $70,000. Yeah, that's ridiculous. What the fuck is wrong with these people? And I heard that the um, New York Times did a study of the average amount of time she was actually on the NFL broadcast. And it was like 25 seconds. Yeah. Three, you know, what is it? Three and a half hour game. 25 25 seconds. Like the one I think she was on the most was the Dolphins Chiefs game. From the the first week of the playoffs. But that was that was a shit show of a game anyway. Like, yeah, they had nothing else to do. There was nothing else going on. And and it is such a double standard win. How many basketball games have people been like, oh, look, Jack Nicholson is there or look, this person is there or that is Spike Lee at the New York Knicks games. Like, it, it, and all of that is just cool. And I have been a hard. Lakers fan since the late 80s, early 90s. I have seen Jack Nicholson more at Lakers games than I have in fucking movies. There you go. There you go. And the thing is, is that it was always seen as just a cool thing that he was there. Look at Jack Nicholson. He's happy that Kobe scored. That's what Dr. Buss did. He made the Showtime Lakers by inviting celebrities to the game to make the games a spectacle. Come to a Lakers game. Look at all the fucking famous people. Exactly. That was just part of the the package that made it seem like it uh, like an experience. It was more than just a a game. It was more than just that basketball game. They built the entire identity of a franchise of come look at the people in the stands. Now, did they also become one of the all-time greatest teams ever? Yes. But there's a reason still to this day they are the Showtime Lakers. Yeah. It's a show. Yeah. Come to the show. 
Exactly. And like, and so why is it cool that, and so you can't help but look at all of this and go, okay, Jack Nicholson is cool. It's cool when he's there. He's a man. It's cool when Spike Lee is there. He's a man. Who the fuck complained about Eminem being (laughs) in 90,000 shots at the fucking Detroit game? Nobody. And then an Eminem is a man. So then it just becomes, it starts to look like, okay, what is this other than just another example of men, a bunch of men hating on a successful woman? Arguably one of the most successful women of all time. Now, I'm not saying important. She is just a fucking singer. But... But if, if she is economy, a positive yeah, influence no, on the world. Exactly. Th- you that's could the argue thing. she is a positive influence on, on the world. Yes. No, no, no. I'm not downplaying at all what Taylor Swift is. I'm just saying she is a singer. But she is so good at business and she is so good at entertaining and so good at, you know, is she the best singer ever? No, but she is good enough to entertain. So much so that she is arguably one of the most successful musicians to ever exist. And also on top of that, why the fuck are you trying to gatekeep football? Yeah. Oh, but the Swifties are now watching football. Cool. Sounds good. Like, are, are they all bandwagon Chiefs fans? Probably. Who cares? Yeah. Do you know how much I would love it? If where Taylor Swift lives, you know, Nashville, if she just started rocking, rocking fucking Titan shit and all these fucking people, all these Swifties were fucking Titans fans, I'd say, yes, come enjoy the heartbreak that is being a Titans fan. We will all collectively enjoy our sorrow together. Like, why? Yeah, yeah I just don't understand. Well, I do understand. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say I don't understand. I do understand the hate. You, you get there, why, but you don't understand. Like, you really don't, like, you can't fathom as to why. Like, like yeah. reasonably, you're just like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just really doesn't. And it's just, and then I know that there are people that are like, well, Jack Nicholson and Spike Lee are actual sports fanatics. They're they're more than just celebrities at the game. They are actual sports fans. Taylor Swift doesn't know the first thing about football. She's just there to support someone she's dating. What the hell is wrong with that? But also how many people who date other people go to their things and support what they do? But also, like, it quit acting just, like football's that fucking complicated that you can't sit yeah. there and watch a few games and not get the basic concepts of what the fuck is going on. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if she went the whole season not knowing what was going on. She's there to support somebody she is dating. She's there to support her boyfriend doing what he does and and just being awesome at it and just there to cheer him on and 
uh, enjoy his family and the people who he and other people who he loves and admires and stuff and just being a part of it's just being a part of his life, regardless of what she knows about football. It's not all about that for her. It, obviously, she is just trying to be supportive of him. And well, I imagine when she has concerts and stuff or goes singing and stuff, if he can go, I'm sure he's going to be in some of that. Oh, shit. he has. He went to a show well, the, down in South America. I don't remember where, where she changed the lyrics okay. of her song for him being there. And her song, well, see, Karma, there you go. She, the, the, the lyric is uh, the man on the screen um, coming straight home to me. She changed the lyric to that guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me while he was in the oh, crowd. Okay. It's fucking adorable as shit, dude. <laughs> well, like, he does it, then, like, then the camera takes a picture of his fucking reaction. Dude, fucking adorable as fuck, dude. It's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, there you go. So this is just what people that support the people that they're with do. But- so why is that? Yeah. Why are you hating on that? But also, she's there with Travis Kelsey's family. Her dad goes to a lot of that shit. Her dad used to play football at the University of Delaware. Her dad was actually kind of friends with Andy Reid back when he was a coach at the Eagles. Because she grew up outside of Philly. And like I said, her dad was a football player. And like, and I I saw there was this podcast thing of Andy Reid was talking about it to somebody, I think to Tom Brady on his podcast where Tom Brady or Andy Rube was like, yeah, Travis didn't realize I had met Taylor Swift years before he had because of her dad being a Philly fan. Like, you know, but she's there with all these people. You're telling me she hadn't fucking learned the game at least a little bit. Like get the fuck out of here. You know what game I don't completely understand yet? Cricket. Cricket's an insane game. Do you know what I enjoy watching a lot of? Fucking cricket. There you go. Because I'm watching it and learning it. Because I can read the rules all I want. Until I'm seeing it play out, it's not going to make that much sense to me. But I'm watching cricket and I'm learning it. And Now, do I get all the nuances and strategy of it yet? No. But fuck. I'll watch the fuck out some cricket, man. It's fantastic. You know, the, yeah, it's fine. Like, I just, I, I don't get it. Plus, like, you know, there's like actually so many people I've seen on TikTok too, like talking about like dads, talking about like all of a sudden their daughters now have interest in, in, in football. And like now what used to be just a dad thing or a dad and son thing, it's like a dad and daughter thing a dad and both his kids thing. That's cool. Yeah. Like, and I watched this one where his, this guy was like quizzing his daughter on football. Cause he's like, Oh yeah, you're just a Taylor Swift fan and all this shit. But like, and she's answering questions and like, are they the like hardest questions in the world? No. Was it probably scripted and like coach, whatever? Probably. But it's just like a fun little thing of like, Oh no, my daughter knows football. Now how terrible of Taylor Swift. God, get out of here. And also, like, why are all these people just hating on, like, love? Like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, let, let some people be in love and shit. It's all, it's it's just, like, wholesome ass fucking shit. Everybody's complaining about the degradation of our society and 
the the degradation of the fucking family and all this other shit and our values and all this. Then you ridicule people for being in love. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Like just let some people be in love then. Like and a lot of it probably has to do with jealousy. They're just yeah, jealous. I think so. They're just jealous. Yeah, because it's super successful woman, super successful men. Just two people at the top of their industries, all timers in their yeah. respective fields. And yeah. they're both just incredibly good looking human beings and they just all love each other and shit. And everybody just mad. Yep, just mad. Like, God, and I get it. I get mad at so many things. But like, can't get mad at just two people being in love and like not, and genuinely, just genuinely not hurting anyone else. Yeah. It's not even like, oh, somebody got jilted. Somebody left their wife. for No, it's not even any of that shit. This was just two single ass fucking people that started dating. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You can't just get any more pure than that. Like, like, and he's like telling a story of like, oh, I tried to shoot my shot and she wanted nothing to do with it. And then I think she heard that story and was like, okay, I'll let you shoot your shot. And now they're all in love and shit. That sounds like a fucking movie. <laughs> I just, I don't get it, man. But I, I, I love their attitude with it, man. Like Travis Kelsey was like, man, just fuck everybody and what they're saying. That ain't got shit to do with us. I'm like, that's a good, healthy attitude. Yeah. Love it. He's cool. He seems like he seems cool as hell, man. Between him and his brother, like the whole Kelsey clan just seems like I just want to be best friends with them. Like adopt me as your cousin. Like I can be that cousin that like, you know, and you're like cool if they're around, but also like you don't really consider them family enough to where you feel obligated to do anything for them. Mm. I can be that cousin for them. They just, you know, gotta let me hang out every once in a while. Never, don't have to ever give me money. Don't have to give me shit. You know, maybe send me a Christmas card every once in a while. You know, invite me to the family reunion. I'll pay my own way. I'll figure it out. That's all. You know, let me be that cousin. I'm cool with that. I don't even like the fucking Chiefs. (laughs) I really don't like the Chiefs. Man, I'll I'll be the best cousin. You know, I'll be that cousin that once you retire, I'll send you shit every time the Titans play the Chiefs and you can send me shit and that's it. That's fine. (laughs) You know, like you invite me to the wedding out of obligation, but you like, you put me at that table the way the fuck far away from every, and I'm just happy to be there and support you. You know, that's all I just want. Yeah, I just want to celebrate your love, man. That's all I got. I'll be that cousin. No, I get that. I get that. And they just both seem, they're just so entertaining and they both just seem to have a way with the camera. Like any of those commercials that they're in, all the commercials Kelsey is in, like some of those commercials are funny, man. Like, and they just have, they just have a way with the camera. Anytime I see them speaking for something or in interviews and stuff like that, they just really seem like cool, genuine people. 
you know. Hey, I got that Kelsey done. I got that double vax. Uh, there you go. I got my See? COVID. I got my yep. COVID shot. My fifth COVID shot. Got my fifth COVID shot and my flu shot. Same arm, same day. Just bam, bam. There you go. I did the Kelsey. That, yep, the Kelsey double. Yeah. I was like, that's a good idea, Kels. Double tap right in my arm. And hey, and I'm always down for that. Anybody that's all outspoken about, hey, you should just get vaccines because vaccines are a great advantage of modern medicine. I'm like, hells yeah. Love me some vaccines. Oh man, dude, I was, I've been getting my cats some more vaccines and shit. They're like, hey, there's these optional vaccines that probably don't matter because you've got indoor cats. And I'm like, nah, get them anyway. Yep. Let's get these <laughs> optionals in. So let's go. That's really all I got today for news. Go. Transition. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Slayers. Hey, fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by just Justin today. Heather, Heather had a case of the wisdom teeth. She got hers pulled, so we, we wish her a recovery and whatnots. She, she should be back soon, but you know. Nobody wants to sit here and talk for a few hours with, you know, a freshly surgerized mouth. I get it. So we wish you a speedy recovery, Heather. And with that, welcome back to another episode of the Assembly Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling. And as always, I'm joined by Just Justin. I just realized I already said all that. But tonight, we were going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Anatomy of a Fall? The Fall? Of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall. Yes. Uh, we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require with both the audio and video formats. We're going very straightforward today, Justin. Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about Anatomy of a Fall? I was, I was hoping you'd pick the other person. Um, hey, I'll go first. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I was, it was supposed to be a joke because there is no other person besides you that you could have picked. Hey, but um, I'll pick me. I picked me last time when it was just me and Heather. So that's what I'm saying. I'll, I've, I'll go. I'm primed and ready. No, it's all good. I got it. I got it. Um, man, where to start with this non-spoiler review? Now nah, I'll just dive right in. Man, I thought this was fire, man. This movie. Oh, God, I we're going to have freaking, a discussion. I freaking loved this movie, man. Like, this shit was fire, bro. Like, I, I mean, like, 
it's 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 right up my alley because I love movies like this, like just those real like it's it's so conversational. It's very philosophical. Um, it's very methodical. And I just love when a movie does all of those things well. And I, and I feel like this did. I mean, wh- whatever layer you're talking about of a film, if you're talking about acting, I do think that this has some of the better performances that I've seen from actors this year. I think it definitely has some of those. Um, and, and I'll get into specific actors later, but just overall, the acting I thought was incredible in this. The... The the best thing about this, I think, is as good as the acting was, I would even say it's great acting. There are definitely, there's definitely an Oscar-worthy performance or supporting performance in this. But even better than that, though, I think is the script of this. I really think that out of the movies that I have seen thus far, other than maybe like the killers of the flower moon and even still this might be the sharpest script that I've encountered so far this year, just from top to bottom, there's this theme about belief and the anatomy, if you will, of how people choose what they believe when they don't have all of the facts and kind of the building blocks of what makes a belief in a person. And so there's this whole running theme of that. And it's constant with this movie where you're given a little bit, but you're not given everything. And it's done intentionally on purpose. It doesn't matter what conversation we're having, what we're talking about, what element we're talking about, when we're in court, we're given certain things and not others. And you see how these interpretations are leaning these other characters that are involved. Um, I love the fact that the movie plays in the beginning like it's going to be this courtroom drama whodunit. That's what it looks like you're signing up for when the movie starts. But... The movie pulls what I like to call a parasite because parasite is kind of the first movie that I, or maybe it's not the first movie. Maybe there are others, but it's the movie that sticks out most in my mind that did, that did, that did this. And I loved it in that movie. But you think you sign up for one thing and you think that you're there because we, this is a whodunit and we're trying to figure out, okay, is this character a murderer or not? And you feel like that's the basis of this movie. But halfway through, the movie just sort of sweeps the rug from under you and you realize that that's not really the point of this movie at all. And there's this big character study and there's this big um, thing that it's trying to reveal to you. And then there's a part where the film, I feel like, turns the camera to you and asks you to make a choice. It asks you kind of what you believe. And it, and it sort of is really kind of this analytical study of 
how people arrive to certain conclusions and, 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 and how that goes. And it's not really about the truth, which is what I think I love about this most. It's less about the truth and more about how do you arrive to what you believe? How are you arriving to your truth? And I think that that is the, like, that's the triumph of the film is that it starts as this one thing. You think you're in one thing, but actually, no, you are in this other thing. And I just love all of that. Um, And what I meant by the writing, like the dialogue, the conversations that characters have, when we're in the courtroom, the back and forth arguing about the matter at hand is some of the best arguing that I've seen in like a courtroom cinema case like this. I loved the back and forth arguments. I loved the counter arguments and the, and, 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 you know, when the, the, the defendant would say something and then there would be this back and forth dialogue between, okay, what does that mean? Or what does this mean? And the questions back and forth. And I love it because the movie teeters that line between what is the truth and what isn't. And it never relents. It never gives you some clue. It never, it never, it, 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 it want, it puts you in the place of like you are a juror or somebody um, trying to find out the truth, but it keeps you, it teeters that line between what, what's real and what's not, what is the truth and what's not. The, this is something that happened, but is it really proof? Is it, is this all you need to make a determination? And it goes back and forth in your mind with that. And I think that that's like so awesome that this movie was able to execute that because that is a very difficult, I can't stress how difficult something like that is to do and take on and you know, little old me, I said this in When Evil Lurks. I love when a movie tries to present something different, tries to present something a different way. Maybe it takes an idea we're familiar with, but it presents it in a way to where, and it challenges you as a viewer. Man, if you are somebody who wants to be challenged, this is the movie for you because it challenges you. It doesn't put everything, not, it, this is not candy. This is meat and potatoes. This is grown folk shit. Like this really challenges you to really look inside yourself and make, and really make some choices about what you think about the, not only the film, but the characters involved in what happened in it. So I found this to be fun. It's engaging. I loved all the drama that was involved in it. And just to quickly speak about the some of the actors and actresses, uh, yeah, Sandra Hewler, Holer, I hope I think it's Hewler. Um, I understand why she's nominated for Best Supporting Actress. This is one of the best actress performances I've seen, and I know that a lot of people were there was an uproar about the fact that. Margot Robbie didn't get a nomination for Barbie. Well, I'm telling you right now, she didn't beat this woman. Like this performance destroys that performance. And even before that, I didn't think Margot Robbie beat Lily Gladstone either in 
Killers of the Flower Moon. Well, now this is another person she didn't bait. So maybe you could argue she should have been nominated, but I'm telling you right now, ain't no way she was winning over either over this woman. Like this, this was just a phenomenal performance. Um, Swan Arlog, who was her lawyer in this, Vincent, who was kind of the lawyer defending her whenever we're in court and everything like that. Uh, kind of gave me an Edgeworth vibe. He kind of had that Edgeworth haircut from uh, Phoenix Wright. Video game people would know that, but um, he uh, didn't he wasn't, act like he wasn't as sharp as Edgeworth though. No, he not as sharp, but I liked him, man. I liked him. Um, not as sharp, and he didn't have that kind of brooding kind of bitterness of Edgeworth. He's not an Edgeworth character. He just the, his haircut, the way he kind of looked, it just reminded me of him. If he cosplayed Edgeworth, you'd be like, damn, that was a good cosplay. He should have done those moments where he like lets his hair like fall in his face and just slick it back. Yep. And just slick it back. Like if this dude cosplay cosplayed Edgeworth, it'd probably go viral. I'm just saying, you know, he just kind of gave me that vibe. Uh, but he, I thought he was great. I, I loved him. I loved their conversation, his conversations with, um, with Sandra outside of court. And I love the back and forth between him and the prosecutor in court. I thought all of that was just awesome shit. Um, and also I'm not familiar with how court works. Where were we again? We were in, uh, that was in France. Yeah, we were in France. I'm, you know, I don't know how much of this is about with that. Yeah. I don't know how much of this was done for cinematic purposes and, and how much of that is how court works in France. But man, that was, I couldn't imagine being up there. Like that is insanity. If that's how French court works, it is a madhouse. Yeah. That was some shit, man. Like I couldn't imagine being up there going through what this character Sandra was going through in that kind of a court scenario. That was crazy. Like I wouldn't want to be on trial there, but boy, was this fun to watch. Boy, was this so engaging the back and forth. I mean, this was damn near like watching. (laughs) It was like watching Rocky at Apollo Creed, but it was in a courtroom. Like, it was really like that to me. The jabs and the gut blows and the counters and the back and forth that was happening. And just when you thought somebody that, oh, man, that that argument, that the jury's going to side with that. And then all of a sudden, you would hear another argument be made. And it's like, well, damn, they countered that pretty good. Now I'm back in the middle over here. So apparently in French court, you're allowed to just be snarky as fuck. Yeah, and just be like, yeah, and just be, I mean, there were parts where they were just being straight up dicks, and it was... I swear, there was at one point, somebody said something, and they're like, well, you're supposed to be the the expert, you you fucking asshole, and they're like, man, I am an expert, and it's like, why are they allowed to talk to people like this? (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) Assassinating people up there, just going up there being like, hey, so I think you're full of shit, what do you think of that? And you're like, you can't talk to witnesses like that. What are we doing? Yeah, exactly. You're like, wait a minute. Is that is that how you you can't talk to anybody like that? 
So apparently the Phoenix Wright games are based on <laughs> some real life shit, I guess, because th- some of the shit that was happening here, I was like, man, only in, I thought this shit only happened in make-believe, but it was happening in that courtroom. But, and like I said, I don't know how much of that is cinematic, but it makes me curious to watch some like French court now. But either way, it was so engrossing. It was so compelling and it was so freaking entertaining to watch. I have not been that entertained by courtroom drama in a long time. Now, you know, I'm not a, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a connoisseur, but I've seen a lot of court shit. I watch a lot of forensic shit. I like that crime shit. You know, I'm, I'm a, definitely a fan of that shit, but this was very entertaining. It, it was it, it held my attention the entire time, and it felt so tense in those moments because of just how incredible the acting was across the board. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed this. I think yeah, for my money, for me, it's one of my favorite movies that I saw this year. I love the drama. I love the back and forth. But what I love more than all of that is what this movie was trying to say. And I think that what it's trying to say is very important, whether you're looking at the surface or whether you're talking on a more allegorical or philosophical level of what it was saying about what we believe and how we choose what we believe. Um, So yeah, loved, absolutely loved this movie. I did not love this movie. I don't hate it. It's all right. I, when it comes to Academy Award nominations that you brought up, Justin, I do have an issue with this movie being nominated over one thing. I do have an issue with this director being nominated over Greta Gerwig. I don't think that there's anything particularly stand out worthy when it would come to direction in this movie. I agree with you that the writing is fantastic. The acting is fantastic. I think that the way this movie plays out on screen is a little plotting. Like it's a little, it's a little slow. And there's not enough to me, narrative dynamics when it comes to some stuff to really say that this is like an expertly directed movie. But I mean, overall, like I said, it, it, it's a fine movie. I I don't know if I'd call myself a connoisseur of courtroom shit or not, but I might be because I, I, I watch a lot of court shit. I love court shit. Whether it's, Movies, television shows, actual court shit. I love me some court shit. Because to me, like, the, the, the trial system, the court system is, like, to me, the cornerstone of the American justice system. And I think what is done and what is said and what is allowed in a courtroom says a lot about what and how you feel about justice. And what and how you feel about how we arrive to that justice. 
Because I don't think justice is something that can be just given out. It is something that must be determined. It is something that you must have a trial. It must be a fair trial. It must be a a closely regulated and closely scrutinized trial. And if this thing is even just 70% accurate to what a French trial is, that is pandemonium. It is absurdity. How the fuck do they have a single trial in that fucking country? People that are being on, that are on trial are just allowed to interrupt witnesses and just start talking. Lawyers are just allowed to go and say whatever the fuck they want whenever. They're allowed to just go question the accused whenever. The judge will sit there and just be like, you're annoying the fuck out of me. Stop it. It is just crazy what they allow. They allow a witness to sit in the courtroom the whole time. There is a reason why witnesses aren't allowed to be in the courtroom. Like, it's just, it's fucking bonkers. But to me, that was the most interesting part of this movie. I loved the courtroom shit. I did. I truly did. As wild as it was, dude, that shit was watching, that was like watching Days of Our Lives courtroom edition. Yeah. It's (laughs) just insanity. Everything else outside of that was just kind of some beautifully written and beautifully acted shit that happened to me. Now, one thing I do appreciate this movie, about this movie is maybe a slight spoiler. I don't really care. It plays off a little bit like real life. And you kind of touched on this, Justin. Even in our justice system, as much as we love to have it being like, well, whatever the court decides is what the truth is. We all know that very rarely do you ever actually know what happened. Exactly. Regardless of whatever is said in a trial, whatever is proven in a trial, how many times has shit been proven in a trial that you find out later it's not? You know, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree that, you know, with the way our trial system works, that if you're convicted of something, you have to act like that's true. If you're not convicted of something, you have to act like that's true. I get that. I do necessarily think that, you know, if actual evidence comes to thing and be like, hey, you know that thing we thought was true? Well, we have like like so much proof now that it didn't happen. Maybe we should make that easier to, you know, rectify that situation. Too many times are people allowed to still rot away in prison, even though we have like just so much evidence proving, you know, the contrary. And I liked how this movie played into that. Without getting into any of the details, you don't know what the fuck happens. I appreciate that. That's real life. That is probably 95% of all trials. That's probably 95% of all trials, even when you include confessions. You don't really still know what happened. Even with the confession, it could have been coerced. Even with the confession, the person could have just still lied about some details and not admitted everything they did. Even if it's a legit confession. 
they might still not be saying everything that happened. They might not be saying the real reason of why they did something. Unless you commit the crimes, very rarely do you ever know what actually happened when a crime was committed. I appreciate that about this movie. Man, I'll go further than that. That's just 95% of life, man. You don't have all the answers. Yeah. You don't know all the facts. You don't 100% know a person. You don't 100% know what, you know, the, the, the mysteries of space and gravity and all that shit. We don't know all the answers. Because we of the way the all. human brain works, we don't know 100% of the reasons why we do our own shit. Exactly. We don't. We, we, yeah, exactly. We don't even know 100% why we do our own shit. Like, we do not know what the truth really is, man. There's a burger place up here in the north or in the Midwest, up in the northern Midwest called Culver's, originated in Wisconsin. I don't know why. Today, I was craving Culver's. I went and ate my lunch because I was like, all right, maybe I'm just hungry and that just sounds good. Ate my lunch, wasn't hungry. I was still craving Culver's. I knew at that point nothing was going to satiate that. Until I got some fucking Culver's and I did and I ate my Culver's and now I no longer crave Culver's because I'm like, I got it. I can't tell you why the fuck I was craving Culver's though. But all I wanted was Culver's. I don't even know why. I mean, it's delicious food. I enjoy it. Yeah, but why today? Why in the year of our Lord, 2024, on January 31st, was I fucking craving Culver's? No idea. But I was. And nothing I was doing was going to stop that from happening until I got it. If I can't even tell you why I'm craving a food, how can you ever know anything for certain ever? You know, like I can't tell you why on Saturday night, I watched 2002's Rollerball with Chris Klein and LL Cool J and Rebecca <laughs> oh, Renee Stamos. <laughs> and I loved every second of watching it. Shitty movie. I don't re- recommend anybody ever watching that movie. It's garbage. But I just needed to watch it. And I did. And I was so happy I did. But why? I don't know. But that's what my yeah. life needed. It's so true. I think everybody has those things. Cause like for me, every now and then I get on this, my mobster loop and I have to watch all the mob shit. I have to watch the Godfathers. I have to watch uh Goodfellas. And I'll say go you through and I'll, Goodfellas. and I'll watch the Sopranos. I just have to watch it. I just started the Sopranos. Like the other just yesterday. I'm on episode three, season one. Like I'm rewatching the Sopranos and I can't tell you why I can't tell you just every, why I just have an inkling to watch those. I mean, I don't, I rewatch that mob shit more than I think I do anything. And the weirdest thing is, is that I am the furthest thing from a, a, a mobster. I'm not Italian. I don't, imitate them in any way you know i Jason. don't 
I mean, I, uh, most of the people that were alive back then would absolutely hate me, would probably just shoot me on sight. It doesn't make any sense. It does. It really doesn't. But I can't even tell you the ins and outs of it. But for some reason, I just love those movies. I love the drama of them. I love all the political stuff. I love all the, I don't know what it is about that shit. And I can't even 100% explain it. But I love those movies and that TV show. And I can't, I can't even explain it all to you. It doesn't even make a lot of sense why somebody like me would like that shit so much. Oh, Chasta, I get it. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, love, just love songs about drug use. I love them. I've never done drugs a day in my life. <laughs> I love songs about drug use. I'm also not what people would call a happy person. Love songs about being happy. You give me some bubblegum pop music, oh, fucking enjoyable shit. Not even really that happy. I get it, though. You just, like, you know what I mean? That's the thing about human psychology and the way our brains work. Is like we said, you can't know it. You, you can't even know yourself. You can't even know any of those things with any sort of certainty. How are we really judging people or judging the facts or knowing any of that stuff? And I like that this movie actually plays into that. You don't know that you, because it doesn't show you what happened. That's probably the smartest thing this movie did. If this movie showed you what happened, this movie would be a fucking nothing of a movie. I don't care how well it's acted. I don't care how well anything else happens in this movie. If you, if you, if, because I mean, the whole premise of the movie, it's not a spoiler. This guy dies. Was it murder or was it suicide? We don't know. That is the just plot synopsis of this movie without getting into any details. Like that is the whole conceit of this movie. I mean, this happens within the first three minutes. It's not a twist, nothing like that. That is just, hey, what's this movie about? Someone dies. We don't know murder or suicide. That's, you know, that's why this movie exists. That is the promotional material of this movie. That was the smartest thing this movie did. Hands down. Agree. Because if you knew definitively, and I'll, I'll, I guess, spoiler for the end, you don't know. And that's not the point of this movie either. That's why I feel comfortable saying that. That's not the point of this movie either. The point of this movie is not to find out. So I don't feel bad for saying that. Because that's the second smartest thing this movie does. It's not telling us. Because if it tells us, guess what? The rest of your movie doesn't fucking matter. And your movie's a nothing movie. Exactly. So this movie avoided the two things that takes it for, in your eyes, great. My movie's good, or my eyes good, from being just nothing. Just utterly forgettable nonsense. That's practically a two and a half hour long version of fucking Law and Order. So kudos, kudos for doing that, you know, I mean, like I said, to me, maybe one reason why I don't connect with this movie, as much as I loved the courtroom scenes, the just sheer 
chaos that those were and the no sense of like order that I'm used to with the, or at least what the American justice system tries to act like it has. I mean, we've all seen some shit go down in trials where it's fucking crazy. I mean, there's a, there's a video going around on TikTok where somebody like a, a fucking judge is like, like ruling on bail or something. And that fucking guy just runs and leaps at this judge. Just leaps. <laughs> wow. To attack this judge. You know, Damn. there's crazy shit in our courts. And, you know, maybe at times there's a little bit too much, like, rigidity in how we handle things. We don't handle, like, we don't handle things well like we should. Because it's like, oh, we need precedent. We need this and that. We need this, you know, like, you need all of these reasons as to why you allow something. And apparently they'll fucking allow any damn thing they want. I mean, there's a kid dropping forensic evidence in this movie. You know, and maybe that's one reason why I slightly disconnect with this is because as entertaining as those scenes were, I think it they might because of maybe the inherent whateverness to the French justice system that they might have accurately or at least tried to portray might add a little bit too much of a narrative jumbleness to really solidify being great to me. And at times, like I said, this movie ends up becoming very slow, mind-numbingly slow. And I think the reason why I think that is because of another Best Picture nomination this year. And that's Killers of the Flower Moon. Because somehow that movie that is an hour longer than this one kind of felt about the same length to me. This movie felt absurdly long. Killers didn't. And if anybody, if anybody in the world is going to feel the weight of a three and a half hour movie. It's my ass. And somehow I didn't with that movie. And this one I did. I felt it. And I think that that might be just the inherent flaw with the way they tell the story going back and forth between court, not court, court, not court, which to be fair is accurate to real life. They did play it out in a narrative, like a narratively linear way. But maybe the monotony that is real life and that is telling that story that way kind of weighs a little bit more on this. Maybe it's a little too close to real life. Where movies sometimes can twist real life enough to where it doesn't feel that way. You make the monotony of life not feel monotonous. That's the whole point of a montage is to take the mundane aspects of something and to present it in a non-mundane way in a movie. This movie doesn't do that. 
And if you can get past that, if that does not hinder your movie going experience with this movie, as in from what I can tell it did with Justin, did not hinder his movie watching experience. He's able to enjoy it more than me. It did that aspect of it hindered mine. Therefore, I don't enjoy it as much as him. But testament to this movie. Still, still good. Even when it feels long to me, feels kind of monotonous to me. Still good. And it goes back to the two key things you brought up, Justin. The acting and the writing. There is some masterful fucking dialogue in this movie. Those court scenes were great, but there's one scene specifically, should I hold it for spoilers? I don't know. I will. I don't know if I necessarily need to, but there's one scene in particular. Great fucking acting. Great fucking writing. Just to kind of give a hint to what I'm talking about, it almost takes the entire movie closer that I love. I absolutely love the movie closer. It's like it takes the whole movie closer and puts it in like a five minute scene. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I have several favorite scenes, but yes, that is a good one. Yeah. But we'll get into it more. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yes. Recommendations and score. I'll go since it's just us. Uh, I'll recommend it. I'll recommend it with the caveat of it's not for everybody. If 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 people talking for two and a half hours is not your cup of tea, this movie ain't gonna make it your cup of tea. That's for damn sure. Also, you know, you got to read. This movie jumps back and forth between French and English a lot. Now, I luck out because my ass going slightly deaf. I watched everything with subtitles. So to me, I'm reading English and I'm reading English again when they're speaking in French. So I'm, I'm copacetic either way. That's my life. Even shit in English, I'm reading some shit. Like, that's my life. I have gone to special screenings of movies in movie theaters because up here we have closed captioned movies every once in a while where you can go and on the fucking massive ass movie screen, you get subtitles for an English movie. Oh, I love it. Fucking glorious. It's like I'm watching shit at home, but on the big screen. Love it. You know, so, you know, as any caveat with any foreign film, you got to read shit. Also, if your reason why you don't like foreign films is because you have to reach it, get the fuck over it. It's not that hard. Like even a fucking movie like this, where it's like back and forth, you adapt so fucking quickly to it. Like, especially a movie like this, it's not like there's a bunch of crazy shit going on on the screen that you might miss. You know, this is just people talking. It's fine. You can read some shit. If I can watch a fucking, you know, action movie from fucking Hong Kong with subtitles and not miss a damn thing happening on the screen and still able to read shit, 
You can definitely fucking watch this movie with some subtitles. Get the fuck over it if that's your hangup. Because still, half the movie's still in English too. So it's still not that bad. Pretty good though. I was going to go a clean score, but I'm actually going to dirty it up a little bit. I'm going to give it a 73. Uh, 73 asshole kids feeding a dog aspirin out of 100. I was going to give it a 70. That's why I was like, that's a clean score. But I'm like, nah, it's not quite a 70. It's higher. Yeah, so what about you? Yeah, it's a recommend for me, dog. Um, I highly recommend it. I mean, to me, it's 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 a great film. Um, but 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 like you said, Sterling, there if if that is something that a person struggles with, like the subtitles or the fact that it's in a different language and things like that, um, I'm just going to just do what the movie did for me, I challenge you, you know, I challenge you to try it. I challenge you to try something a a little different because I just feel in my heart of hearts that uh, you will come out better on the other side for it. I don't think that this is the kind of movie you can watch and just hate. I, I just don't think that this kind of movie is so polarizing that it could invoke that in a person. I feel like, yeah, some may like it more than others, but ultimately the subject matter, what's going on is so intriguing and so engaging. I just would, I just failed to see how a per, how a person, now I'm, I'm sure there are some people that exist out there, but I would fail to see how a person could watch this and get absolutely nothing out of it. The acting's too good. The writing's too good. The story is too well told. I just feel like you will grab something from it. Even if you don't get the underlying messages, even if you just, even if you just look at it on its face, it's just fun to get to the end and arrive to a conclusion. And then ask somebody else, what do you think? Is it guilt or is it not guilt? And just get and see all the answers that you get. I went through different chats about this and different YouTube videos and stuff and all the different interpretations I heard about this film and what people thought happened and didn't happen made me love it that much more because of all the different things I heard and how people it's interesting how people will gravitate to a certain scene or a certain piece of dialogue and then say, I think this is what happened because of this. And it's great because really none of it, it never ever gives you a definite concrete answer. Um, And I just love that so much because that is the way life is that we are constantly asked in life to believe things and make choices on what we believe without all of the truth. That that is literally what your life is. So I love that it was put in 
a, a form like this and told in such a way like this to where you could see that theme clearly in what was presented to you. So I would want everybody to um, experience that. And I think it's, like I said, it's just fun to get to the end and and then ask yourself, what determination did you make after you, after everything that you saw? And it's interesting that you said the, the movie was slow. Um, not that I can refute that, but for me, I was intrigued the whole time because I saw every scene, every d- bit of dialogue, everything as a piece to the puzzle. I'm, I was constantly, I was playing detective with this, constantly looking for clues, constantly looking for something that this character might say. Would, would something be revealed that would get me to the truth? So for me, even when we were out of the courtroom, I'm looking for things. I'm looking for answers. And I think if you are that person, and for me, every scene was important because I felt like it was a, a, a piece of the puzzle that I was getting. It was a clue that I was getting. It was some something I was getting that was telling me about a character so that I could better have an understanding of what we were dealing with and what my ultimate, ultimately my decision uh, was going to be. So for me, all of those scenes were important. I was glued to everything every character was saying. So even when we were out of the courtroom and we're just talking and living our lives, even that dialogue is superbly written. I never felt like there was a wasted motion with this film. I never felt like there was just a wasted scene that we didn't have to have or anything like that. I think it's all so integral to for you um, coming to a conclusion about these characters and arriving to the ending that we arrived to. So for me, it never felt slow. I was intrigued the whole time, man. And, and, and it was kind of like in between those courtroom battles, it's like when the two boxers go to their neutral corners or whatever. And sometimes, even though that's not the fight, What's going on in that corner with the corner man and, and the coach and everything like that, that can be very engaging and very engrossing too. And that's how I took those in-between scenes um, in, in the courtroom. So I found all of it compelling. So to me, I had zero issues with pacing or what was happening um, throughout the film. I just loved every minute of this film. I just thought it was excellently crafted. Uh, with that being said, um, we'll go, I'll give it, uh, 97 cuddling with Snoop Dogs out of a hundred. Okay. I typed something wrong. Hold up. 93. Uh, that makes this official Cinescore an 85. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. All right, Jason, was she guilty? I believe that she, my choice, <laughs> I believe that, I, I believe that they got it right. I think I actually agree with you on that. 
I, I, I think they got it right, man. I believe that he either fell or he committed suicide. I do agree with that. I don't know if it was an accident or a suicide, but I don't believe that she killed him. I agree. I think to me, especially what they presented in the movie, my biggest thing was like, what would the murder weapon be? And like, they're like, oh, it has to be a heavy rod or a heavy something of some sort. And they're like, oh, that's so easily hidden. When? When the fuck did she have time to hide this shit? Like, I know her son's blind and couldn't fucking see if she was like walking around with her. But she still is like, oh, well, my mom disappeared for half an hour between, you know, my dad dying and this. Like, when, though? it would You know, like, when would she have time? that They wouldn't have been able to find reasonably. You know what I mean? Like, that's my big thing is like, when? Like, come on. Plus, yeah. there, there would have been blood up there, all kinds of shit. Like, no. Like, it was wood. Like, blood is the hardest thing in the world to get out of wood. It's all fucking yeah. porous and shit. Like, come on. And it was kind of like that one lady that testified, the the forensic lady that testified and was saying, well, the to get the splatter at that angle, they would have both had to have been leaning over in an awkward position and... The and then she would have had to have they would have been had he would have had to have been leaning all the way back in this position and she would have had to have been leaning forward whilst holding a heavy object and had the force to you know I just felt like there's a lot of problems with the blunt yeah. force and he's falling scenario now could she have pushed him? Or nudged him. Is there a possibility of him falling or being pushed without a weapon? I guess. Yeah. I mean, if he fell and hit the, if he, if if their theory was the reason why you have the blood splatter was because he fell, hit his head, and then because of snow and the way it, you know, it all matriculated down and stuff like that. Still possible he could have been pushed. He could have been killed without a weapon, which was not something we explored in there yet, but it's still a possibility. If you're willing to buy that he fell or committed suicide, you have to be willing to realize that she could have pushed him. Like, you can't have one without the other. And the fact that the prosecution wasn't having that be their story... Come on, if the if the if the if the prosecution was like, hey, nah, he was leaning over doing something and she just pushed him or like grabbed his leg and tipped him or whatever. You know what I mean? OK, I actually might be like, nah, she guilty as fuck. <laughs> but that the weapon, the weapon scenario they present in this movie. I don't buy it. Yeah. With Me what neither. you see, I don't buy it. Yeah. You know. So that that's where I land. I was just curious. I mean, you, we kind of have to start there with what this movie is. It's just a fun little thing of what do you think? Because like we said earlier, movie doesn't tell you. Yeah. And and even just if you just look at it, if you concentrate it to the courtroom, all the testimonies that I heard, everything that I heard from the son to her, the way the prosecutor was grilling, the tape recording, everything like that. Even if you just concentrated to that, I don't believe that they proved that she was a murderer either. I I don't think they proved it. Yeah. So like you said, no murder weapon is a problem. The, the, the back and forth, 
he, what you hear about the about the father, what you come to understand about him, the son, their conversations, everything like that. I don't believe that it was proven either that she was a murderer. So, for what it's worth, yeah, I agree. Um, I know you said you had several favorite scenes, but I mean the one I got to talk about though it's, it's that fight, it's that argument they have. God, it was wonderful. That was, at first, I was like, when they were playing that fight, like, I, the way they did write that scene, the way that scene's acted, when they're first playing that transcript, I was like, how the fuck is this prove anything with murder? It's just a married couple fighting and arguing and saying some shit. And, you know, and the wife's like, Come on, you're just being ridiculous. Like, is it a terrible fight? Sure. But I was like, where the fuck are they using? Oh, this is a key piece of evidence for murder. And did that shit escalate? <laughs> now, third smartest thing this movie did. You see them acting out the first 90% of this fight. When that fight goes sideways and goes crazy and just a bunch of noise and physical things are happening, doesn't show you again. You only hear it. Because it only shows you what theoretically would be proven in court. You never saw what happened to the the father because that wasn't proven in court. You don't find out what happened because that was never proven in court. You don't find out what happens with that fight when it gets physical and violent. Because that was not proven in court. When they're just sitting there talking to each other and arguing, that's easily provable what's happening. Because it's two people talking. Yeah. You know, even as far as, oh, you can tell they're eating because the wife says, oh, this is really good. As they're eating. That's provable. So they show the beating. You can hear on the recording. That she's pouring a glass of wine. So they show that. What did, At one point she gets up to smoke a cigarette. You can hear her lighting the cigarette on the recording. That's provable. The second it goes violent. And none of it is provable. They don't show it to you anymore. That's a smart decision. Man, they were saying yeah. some fucked up shit. And then he's just able to turn to her, the accused, and just go, who else were you fucking? And that's just allowed. He's just able to just fucking ask the accused whenever he wants what anything. Everything came up like everything. Uh, it just, man, like, and what was so cool about that before I get to the berating of the prosecution and, 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 um, you know, and and both of them really, but before I get to that, like what you said about that recording, like I love, and I was going to comment on that too. I love that you only heard when it escalated because then because and then like 
the way it sounded, it sounded horrible with the glass breaking. I want to put that out there too. It sounded terrible. You hear glass shattering and you hear panting and struggling and screaming and and, and people, yeah, and and hitting and all of that kind of stuff. And boom, 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 boom. It sounds terrible. It sounds absolutely terrible. And my imagination was just running wild, like I'm sure the courtroom was. And then she gets up there and they're like, okay, so tell us what exactly happened. And she said, well, and 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 what she said didn't sound anywhere near as bad as what you hear and what your imagination does when you're hearing the recording. So like when she gets up there, she's like, well, I threw my glass. You know, you hear me throw my wine glass at the wall. That was the shattering. Um, I did walk up to him and slap him. He grabbed my wrist and that was the struggle that you heard. And then we let each other go. And then he's hitting himself and punching the wall and banging up against the wall and stuff like that. And that's basically what you heard. And the interesting thing about the film is, is that that's when those are those moments where this film is turning it to you and kind of asking you, do you believe Sandra? Is that all that happened? Is what she just said and what you heard, do you believe that that is all that happened? Do you believe that it only got that violent? Do you believe there was more to it than that? And so and the movie does that constantly. It, it doesn't give you everything. And then it says, and then it asks you, what do you believe? And that's sort of a reoccurring theme with uh, what it gives in this movie. But yeah, like you said, though, uh, whenever then the prosecutor turns and goes, so how many partners did you have? And just the back and forth and her being like, no, it was just the one. And he was like, well, he seems to insinuate multiple. So are you telling the truth about that? Like, it was crazy just how much he could cross-examine her. And it and it just seemed like I was trying to imagine myself as her and being like, I would never make it through a cross-examination like this. I, I just would never make it. But it's also <laughs> at any time. Yeah, any time. Anytime, Any- just turn and go, hey, you got to answer my question now. But then yep. also, there was that time when the psychiatrist was up there talking. And she's like, I got to interrupt. Yeah. And then she starts arguing with him. Yep. I'm like, what is the shenanigans I'm witnessing? <laughs> yeah. Why she was like, like Jason, hey, wait I'm, a second. I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, though, that. What in the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney was I fucking watching? <laughs> I used to give those games some shit. I love those games. Don't get me wrong. I love those games. But like in that Great first games. game, when it's like, oh, hey, if this trial doesn't end in three days, you get automatically found guilty. Because the judge is going to rule. And unless you convince the judge you're innocent, but the only way you can convince the judge you're innocent is by finishing the trial essentially but it's like you know but it's like that feels like just a weird game mechanic to be like yep we got to wrap this shit up you got to give it that sense of urgency but then this apparently maybe other courts in other countries are like that (laughs) 
if you don't this know, was a fucking that, circus. It was, but my God, you can't, you can't deny how engaging it all was. And like, like you had that favorite scene there. And actually that part that you're talking about with the psychiatrist and she started arguing back. That was one of my favorite scenes because when she started arguing back with him, and like I said, this was so incredibly well-written. Like, I wouldn't call myself a relationship expert, but what was written for her to say and what Sandra said in that moment made so much sense to me when she was like, a marriage is sort of a chaos. And sometimes we're, we're fighting for each other. Sometimes we're fighting separately. And then sometimes we're fighting against each other. And, you know, all of that, that, so yes, he may have felt like this in this moment, or I may have felt like this in this moment, but that doesn't encompass everything that we are. This is not everything. This is not the complete truth. And I just love how the movie kept finding way after way to tell you that this is not the whole truth. This is not everything. This is not everything. The movie is telling you constantly that, 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 that you don't have everything. You know, this is not everything. And even in that moment, her plea, the point of that plea was to tell you, this is not everything. This is not every aspect of our marriage. But then later, where the, the boy is testifying and he says something, well, I did this experiment with my dog and fed him aspirin and everything. And it was the same way it was back then. And, you know, now I believe my mom because I did the experiment with the dog and it was the same as when the dog ate the dad's suicidal vomit and the aspirin and everything. And then what does that uh, um, the prosecutor say? Well, understand that this in no way proves innocence or guilt. And he's right, too. You know what I mean? That that story, the boys experiment doesn't really prove anything either. So again, the movie just hammered it into you. You do not have everything. Yes, this is one thing, but it does this really prove the truth? Not really, not really, you know? And I just love how the movie's doing that to you constantly. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot good with this movie. Like, I know I gave it a 73, but there is a lot good with it. It's just when you add, to me, like I said, what became monotonous, that dragged it out for me. But, like, there there, there are flashes in this movie. There are moments in this movie that are brilliantly written. You know, that fight, I mean, shit, I've been married. My marriage ended. I've now I've never had anything get to that point to where there's like glass shattering and beating and any of that shit. But I had some fights. I've had some fights where some shit was said. And it's not good shit. I've had those shits where bad shit is said. You know, that's very accurate. Like I said, that's why I likened it to a favorite movie of mine, which is closer. Because, man, you ever want to watch a movie 
where people have some fights and some breakups. But they also say the most horrendous shit you could ever say to somebody that you also claimed you loved at one point. Watch closer. They say some fucked up shit in that movie. This movie's close with what some of that stuff. They never quite got the 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 zingers that closer got. I mean, Fallout Boy fans should know. Fallout Boy's fan, uh, Fallout Boy has a song that's uh, uh, called "Things for the Memories," and one of the lines in that song is, "He tastes like you, but sweeter." That's a line from the movie Closer when Julia Roberts was talking about Jude Law's dick compared to Clive Owen's dick. And she says that to Clive Owen's. Yep. <laughs> it's not a nice moment. He, he follows that up with saying, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. I won't repeat the next line because it's a fucked up line. But yeah, it's... This gets there, though, a little bit. That that fight, the way it escalates and all this other shit, and just the terrible shit they were saying to each other. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 shows that, that love on the rocks type of marriage. You know? Now, but also, as many people know, in a relationship, you've probably had a fight like that. You've also probably come back three hours later. And apologized. And I like the movie. Doesn't show that. But you also know that that could have happened. Because once again, this movie doesn't show what it can't prove. Therefore, you don't know that. And therefore, it also kind of shows that that woman might not be lying. Yeah, there was a terrible fight. But a marriage can be a chaos. That's not untrue. And like you said, Justin, that, that's a great line. Of sometimes you fight with each other. Sometimes you fight for each other. You saw the fight with each other. Maybe three hours later when it wasn't being recorded, they had a fight for each other. By apologizing. And reconciling. You know, there's any number of things like that that could happen. That I liked that this movie didn't show. I liked that, you know, the the, the woman, and she brought up a great point that I, I love when they bring this up in court movies that they don't always bring up, but I love that they brought it up in this. Where she's like, yeah, you heard his story the whole time. If I saw a shrink this whole time and I called my shrink in, they might say the exact opposite and say all the bad shit about him. Because that's also what happens in relationships when you talk to other people. People have a habit of minimizing what they do and maximizing what other people do to them. So very rarely are you getting the truth. And as we all know, but sometimes forget, 
Truth is probably somewhere in the middle. There were times he was shitty. There were times she was shitty. There's also times he wasn't shitty. There were probably times she wasn't shitty. There's probably a middle ground. Yep. And sometimes in arguments, you will sort of exaggerate the truth. Especially if you know, especially if the point is sometimes to just hurt the other person. If it's not about who is right or wrong. And that's just the truth. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's just about what you can say to try to hurt a person. You know, once it's sometimes when it goes to that emotional level, you are trying to hurt the person. And so like, and everybody sort of understands that. But what I loved about this too, is that it shows how, when all of those things are put up in a courtroom and other people are putting that under a microscope, how easy it is to interpret it as more than that. And it it just makes you think about, man, about you being on trial. And it's like, you know, let's just say you live with some roommates and then one of them is wound up dead. Well, you being a roommate, you're a prime suspect. Well, if somebody took your phone and looked through messages or if somebody went through this, even if somebody went through this podcast and we're talking about how we're glad certain people are dead and stuff, you know, in a courtroom, it might somebody might look at that and be able to say, well, uh, he don't seem to have a problem with dead people. Maybe he killed the roommate. If if they found out that Henry Kissinger (laughs) was murdered. This podcast might get me put on trial. I'm telling you, right? Yeah, like I forgot. Yeah, because there were several episodes, some I was on and not on, where you were like, yeah, I'm so glad Kissinger is dead. So like somebody could take that and in a courtroom amongst people and the right prosecutor could go, he don't got, he don't seem to have a problem with dead motherfuckers. So he is happy. Kissinger is dead. Happy, gleeful. Said he deserved it. Because I did. Yeah. Said he deserved it. So then they look at you and go, so, um, uh, so if you could be happy that somebody you don't know is dead, how happy are you that this person that caught that you admitted on this date and that date annoyed you or said something that made you mad or something like that? So um w- would it hurt? So uh, if, if, if a person you don't know, if it makes you that happy that he's dead, how happy does it make you that this roommate is dead and you didn't like him anyway? There's, See, Jason, so, there's evidence to support that you didn't really like this person. You argue with him constantly. So how happy are you that he's dead and you know him? You know, people. I hate, I hate that you said this podcast could be used like that. Because there's only one person on this podcast that this could ever be used as evidence, and it's me. I'm the one that says that shit. I'm the only <laughs> motherfucker on this podcast that they could be like, man, Sterling, you said some fucked up shit. Here's examples A through triple Z of how many times you've said fucked up shit like that that could probably be used as evidence at a trial. 
you're going to make me start policing what the fuck I say on this shit. <laughs> but all I'm saying is I wouldn't even really try to go there, but it's funny how we arrived here. It is kind of funny, but no, I'm just saying, but still it applies to me too. Dude, I may not have said it on here, but boy, in some chats, I've said some fucked up shit. I'm not going to lie. I've said some fucked up shit. You know what there's I mean? Still, in some chats and stuff like that. There's some celebrities that if they die, <laughs> they're going to be getting the Henry Kissinger treatment on here. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I ain't going to lie. In some chats and stuff like that, there's been some people. Where they're like, man, this person died today. And I'm like, well, they were a racist piece of shit. So what? So then I'll just be like, so what else did you do today? Or something like that. You know, there are some times where I could be very like emotionless and nonchalant. But the thing, but my, but my bigger point is, is that anybody could take a piece of your life and make you seem like a murderer in the right situation, in the right there, there, can, there is probably a moment of your life that if the prosecutor gets a hold of it the right way and builds the right context, you can seem like you killed somebody. Yeah. All of us. I mean, if they retroactively found out that John Wayne was murdered, they might charge me for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have uh, definitely um, not held back about I, I have rejoiced <laughs> several times that that man died of cancer. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, I, mean, I can only imagine a person being up there in court and having to try to defend what just seems like impossible things. Yeah. But to Sandra's credit, I thought she did an incredible job. And to her lawyer's credit, when it seemed like she was drowning his cross-examination, he would come out back and point out some things. Like when that uh, like when that one guy that heard the recording was up there and was like, this is a dress rehearsal for what happened the next day when she murdered him. I was like, oh, shit. And then, like, I love how um, Vincent, her lawyer, got up there and was like, okay, so, so, so basically, um, what she said happened and what you are speculating happened. Um, so basically this is an opinion, right? So you said earlier that this was a dress rehearsal for what happened the next day, but clearly we have no proof of what happened the next day. Right. Other than just this evidence right here. So let's not, and in so many words, he said, so Let's make sure that we are not taking what happened the day before the murder and saying that this is what happened the day of, like, I or, or the day of the killing. Like, I love how he ripped that guy apart. You know what I mean? Or the psychiatrist when he was like, so you've never had a patient commit suicide, right? So it's fair. No, I haven't. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so it's fair to say you're not an expert on suicide. Like I love how he, you know, that he has some, some good moments. Damn good lawyer shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I loved it too when he was like, So you've never had anybody attempt to commit suicide or commit suicide? And the guy was like the guy tried to get all like French on him and was like, Well, in France it's a, they're both the same thing. And he's like, Okay. Have you had it happen? 
Like that didn't change my question. Yeah. The doctor's what did like, he say? Nah. It's the attempt or the success or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, answer my question still, because that did not change what I asked. And he's like, no, never. And he's like, so you don't know shit. Got it. Yep. And then they walk away. Like, that was just how cold that they would just walk away and shit. And that one prosecutor, man, the actor that played him, I loved him, man. Oh, he was, was great. Yeah, yeah. That- he... Was the Boy. swarmiest motherfucker ever. He had I know. he had the most swag I have ever seen a French person have ever. Yeah, he was ridiculous, but I loved him. I loved how he would just say how he would say everything and like like when she was like, "Oh my god, what was the part?" Um, when uh, he was like, "So you you said that you slapped him on that recording." Well, have has this ever happened before? Have you ever been physical with him before? She said no. And then he was like, So this was the only time. She said yes. So and he was like, Oh, well, I mean, what a he said something like, What a fortunate man that you have been so just you you have been so docile and you have been so non-confrontational. But unfortunately, this one time we caught it on video, you you were violent with him. Okay. And then he just walks away like he was, yeah, because I think the line is how fortunate we got the one recording of it. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. How fortunate that we just got the one recording where you happened to do this. Like he was, he was out of control, bro. But I loved him though. I loved that I I hated him, but loved him at the same time. I would have hated to have been up there with him, but I loved everything that I was seeing from him. He was tight. He he was a great opposition in court. Yeah, he just, he had the zingers. He was just, the guy just dealing death blows with the zingers. Now, like I said, I do really think, was. I think the jury got it right in the end. But damn, I think if that guy just tried the case of you pushed him, not you hit him and he fell, you pushed him. I don't see how that guy would have lost then. Because then the facts yeah. would, I think, would have lined up more with what he had, or the evidence would have lined up more with what he had. It's yeah, it's to it, me if it was, it's oh, it, it's it's just like the Casey Anthony trial. What ended up happening there? They charged her with intentionally killing her baby, planning and killing her baby. It's not really what the evidence supported, but that's also the only charge they brought. They didn't have subsequent charges. They didn't have lesser charges, anything like that. They went, nope. The only thing that happened is you planned and killed your baby. Evidence really didn't say that. Now, based on what the evidence I heard and all this other stuff, do I think she's responsible for her baby's death? Yes, I do. I think it more was probably along the lines of she was a shitty mother, wasn't paying attention. Her baby died. She didn't give a fuck. And disposed of the body. I think the evidence showed that. And that would have been a slam dunk of a conviction. That's not the case she tried. Or they tried. That man went up there and was like, nope, you did it with malice and forethought. You intentionally did it. And the evidence didn't show that. So he lost the trial. And everybody's like, how the fuck do you lose that trial? Because you you, you run the wrong trial. 
Yeah. What were the yep, what were the charges? That's what happens. That's how you lose it. You you charge them with the wrong fucking shit. So what ends up happening in this instance? You more or less would say, hey, you hit the guy and he fell and died. That's not what really the evidence showed. You couldn't prove that with, you know, with, you know, to a reasonable doubt or to, a, yep. you know, without a reasonable doubt. So you lost. I think, I think you used the defense's case against him. Yeah, you pushed him. He fell, hit the shed and died. You might not have meant for it to happen. It was crime of passion, whatever, all this other shit, but you pushed him. He fell and died. Yeah. What's the and defense going to argue against that? Because their their expert kind of says that might have happened. Don't got to worry about a murder weapon. Don't got to worry about any of that shit. Yep. Don't That's gotta doubt. Don't got to worry about a murder weapon. And it's not like it was a clear cut thing like, oh, he was stabbed or shot. Where you're like, okay, obviously there's a weapon somewhere. He was stabbed or shot. So obviously there's a weapon. It doesn't matter if we didn't find it. There was a weapon. You know what I mean? Like, so that, like, yeah, that's how you lose this case. You try a case. You don't have the evidence for. You know? And, you know, it, that's the same type of thing. You can have a, you can have a great prosecutor trying the wrong case and you lose just because of that. And I think that that's kind of what this showed too. Great prosecutor tried the wrong case lost because he's a great damn prosecutor. He's up there with one of the best cinematic prosecutors I've ever seen. He was, he was wonderful. And then you think about it and I guess Maybe they thought they had a case when they got that recording and heard it. Didn't really know what happened, but they heard it. They probably thought that would be enough. She was the one that was unfaithful. Um, she borrowed an idea from his book and wrote it and became successful. You know, I feel like they thought they may have had enough circumstantial stuff, even though we didn't. Because if, if you're going to go to trial with that, without the murder weapon, you better be confident in your circumstantial evidence and background, all of that other stuff. Like maybe this person has a criminal history, which she didn't have. So they would have had to have been so confident in that circumstantial evidence. They thought that it would override the fact that they didn't have a weapon or maybe they just a hundred percent believed the blood splatter analysis, which got refuted by the, the, the defendant's blood splatter person, but they must've really, really believed that and thought that we can definitely prove it with this we got this incriminating recording, but we, but it kind of wasn't. We got this. And then there are just all of these assumptions of, you know, and then I also think some of it was a, was a bit sexist, which um, her lawyer pointed that out, that he had some sexist tendencies about what he was thinking. And I think that that's apparent, too. I love the back and forth they had with one of the, I guess it was a juror or a judge that was sitting on the panel 
And when they were talking about the recording and he and then um, whenever she said, well, I think he may have incited this argument because he knew that we were recording because he knew he was recording. And then, you know, the guy was like, oh, how, you know, the, the prosecutor was like, oh, how could you say that? So you're saying basically now we're turning the victim into somebody crazy. And then that woman jumped out and said, no, she has a point. He recorded her without her knowledge. That's not a typical normal thing that you just do. She has a point. That is not just a normal thing that somebody should do, you know? So I like that too, that it also touched on kind of sometimes the way we judge women versus the way we judge men, you know? Her sexuality was in question. Her partners were in question. How, what kind of a wife was she? You know, all that little shit we do sometimes when we judge women versus that we don't do when we judge men, you know? Yeah. I mean, we brought it up. Eminem at a football game, fine. Taylor Swift, nah. Yep. Yep. Also, that judge was also very Phoenix Wright-ish. When there's like some, like, you know, in Phoenix, right? Whenever you present some evidence or somebody presents it, oh, oh, that's really convincing. Motherfucker, you're a judge. You shouldn't be saying that out loud. Yeah, you can't be commentating. She was doing that (laughs) same shit too. Like, oh, she got a point. You're a judge. You don't be saying that. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Or just be like, man, if if you say that one more time, you are just going to annoy me. Out of this courtroom. Oh, well, like, they kept it objecting, and she's like, if you object one more time, I'm going to be pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> That's all a defense does. I was like, damn, man. I was like, man, this is this is so different from what I'm used to. But oh, this is I just, absurd. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I just loved it all. I wanted to jump back to what we were talking about. It still has to do with the recording part you were talking about, but like going back to it, like not necessarily an instance in my marriage, but I mean, there, I, I know a specific time I can think of where I was fighting with a significant other. And because of the way I can channel my emotions and honestly, part of it's the lack thereof. I can, especially in a fight, especially when I'm hurt, I end up going that route of saying mean, fucked up shit to hurt the other person. And it is because of the whole thing of like hurt people, hurt people. Like, so if I'm in a fight and I'm hurt, I do become fucking vicious with the shit I say because I'll disassociate and I just say some cold fucking shit. And I, and I end up just saying it in the most matter of fact way. You know what I mean? Like I don't show any joy. I don't show any pain. I don't show anything. I just say it like I'm just stating the laws of the universe with just how plain and just purely like straight when I say it. And it's that type of thing that, like you were saying, Justin, it's like, that happens. You know, especially when you get in that fight. And, you know, 
when you listen to that tape and you, you watch it play out and whenever she's like, well, he might've started that fight on purpose. It doesn't necessarily not feel that way. We don't definitively know if that's the case, but you know, he's like, Oh, I just cooked us dinner. Like, like the way it plays out that like you can infer is like, Oh, I just cooked us dinner. Now we're eating dinner. I'm going to say some snide fucked up shit. What's your response? Wife of mine. Oh, you countered with that. I'm going to say this fucked up thing. What's your response to that? It comes across like that. It does not completely. Now, we can't definitively say, did he pick that fight? No. I can also see where a reasonable person can hear that and go, nah, he might have started that fight on purpose. Because he was like, I'm recording this. I want to use it for a book or I want to use it for writing or whatever. And I want the most dramatic fucked up fight ever because that's the shit people want to read. Nobody wants to read that. We had a very civil disagreement. Exactly. Cause that's cause what's more compelling that, or like you said, a civil disagreement. And when you pick that argument apart and you're kind of thinking about it at first, she just seemed to be supportive and, just trying to be reasonable with them and saying, you should, you know, you want to write the book. You should write the book. You should alter your schedule. You, you, oh, but I'm homeschooling my kid. Well, I told you, you didn't have to do that. And, you know, we can always change what, what we're doing and how we're teaching um, him. And, you, you know, you can change up at first. All she was saying is stuff that just, a, a person that loves you would say she was just trying to be reasonable with him. At one point she, he's, he's getting more intense and she's like, look, just relax. And she even goes over to him and says, I love you and everything like that. Just trying to get him to calm down. And you feel like you could argue at, that he just wouldn't, he just wouldn't, he just kept going. And Is that enough proof to say that he egged it on? No, I'm not saying that. But you could see how somebody could arrive to that conclusion once that idea is presented. Well, because like, you know, if you've ever been in a fight with another person, sometimes when you're fighting, they can say something and then you change what the fight's about because you're just still mad. You might not even be talking about what you were originally mad about, but you're changing what you're mad about. Because you're still just mad and you're still just wanting to be mad. So you're just saying shit to stay mad. You know, it could be that, which is a very human thing for him to do. Yes. But also could be him changing shit to make sure they keep fighting. So it will get to the point to where she crosses the line. Because he's pushing her against it the whole time. You know, because it's a very funny thing. He's like, our schedules are, are like our, you know, distribution of responsibility is unbalanced. And I think it should be more fair. Like, I always have to homeschool our kid. Okay, well, cool. Don't homeschool him anymore. We'll figure it out. Why are you trying to take away time with my son? Yeah. Well, what is it? Yep. Yeah, what is it? You know, like, but that's the thing is, like, it could be that he's just mad. She gave him a rational, like, a rational solution, but he's still just mad. So he's like, no, now you want to take away my boy. Like, just to stay mad. Like, you know what I mean? Cause when you're mad, sometimes you can't just be calmed down because you've got some rational shit thrown your way. 
Like you just find any reason to stay mad at that point. Or that's him picking a new fight or changing the parameters of the fight to make sure they stay fighting. Both could be true. You know? Yep. And yeah, the, you're right. Or maybe she he could have felt like you're patronizing me, you know? And then it's just that other thing too, like you, like you were kind of alluded to, like, or it could be he's getting angrier because he felt like she was patronizing and just saying, oh, you just do it. Just do it. You know, just do it. Nike check. Just do it, man. When you know when, and in his mind, he's like, bitch, you know, it's not that easy. I'm trying to fix this house. I'm trying to teach my kid. What are you talking about? Just do it. This shit ain't no fucking Nike check. So it also could have been that too. Maybe he was mad. He was being patronized, which people can do. Like, Sometimes a, 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 it, a person may seem like they're being nice or they seem like they're being encouraged. But if you're not in the right mood to hear that shit, sometimes you can just easily dismiss it as bullshit and then just be mad that the person's even saying that to you. Like this shit isn't that simple. So it could have been that too. You know, it's just like you said, like, that's why I just love this so much because it's just fun to like pick all this shit apart. And like narratively speaking, there was even more shit about the father with like his fear to write the book. Kind of like that, 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 that fear that they were talking about the, the fear of falling, the, the fear of failing, you know what I mean? And ironically, this is a character that fell and died. So there are all these little fun little tidbits about that, too. And then also his fear of, like, making all these excuses and kind of uh, not ever writing the book. And there was always an excuse. There was always kind of like this thing that would come up or this reason why he wouldn't write, this reason why he wouldn't put himself out there, why he wouldn't just ultimately make that choice to, 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 um, to write and how she was like, you know, you're, you're creating your own cage and it's because you won't allow yourself to do it because you don't want to fail and all of that kind of stuff. And all of that, that fear and not going, not making the choice and all that stuff, it all kind of relates to this whole thing about choosing what you believe and making the choice and the risk of not having all the information, but choosing to believe something, you know, whether that's a choice to believe in a, a, a religious thing, whether it's a choice, a belief system, whether it's a choice to believe in you, whether it's a choice to believe this person, whether it's a choice to believe whether Sandra's a murderer or not, all of it kind of carries this risk. And kind of like what the 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 lady that the the caretaker person lawyer the law caretaker person that was with the kid you have to choose understand that the only truth is is you don't have all the whole truth <laughs> and you got to make a choice you got to figure out what matters to you and you got to make that choice so yeah. i love all that shit too you know i agree that was, I mean, there, there, there is a lot to like about this movie. Um, 
I hate to say this. You made me. You made me think some. I'm gonna have to adjust my score, aren't I? I think I do. I think talking about it kind of makes me feel. It makes me realize. I do like more aspects of this movie than maybe my score would like perceive it to be. Can't go too crazy. Can't be set. No Spider-Man, no way home presidents (laughs) or whatever the fuck that was. I'll shift it. I I think you should go up, but I'm biased. Of course. No, I'll go up. I love, but I'm just saying, I ain't going to go like (laughs) 20 points up. Nothing like that. Nah, I'll shift it to a 78. I'll shift it to a 78. And that would put... uh, I'm going to put a sound that nobody's going to hear because I'm going to edit it out, but it'll actually help me know to where I need to change it in the video. I'm going to change this to an 88. Yeah, so the Cine score is an 88. Okay. Now. It's close to a 90. I, I prefer it was being 90, but it's okay. It's okay. We almost got there. We, we, we almost got there. The only way it can hit a 90 is I would have to put it up to a B. And I can't give it a B because, like I said, the movie still did feel slow. I think the thing is, though, I wasn't giving credit to the fact that the scenes I liked, I really, really, really liked. You know what I mean? Wasn't giving credit to those. It's just the scenes in between those felt like they took a little bit of a long time. Gotcha. We take it a long time. We haven't even talked about the sun yet. We haven't yeah. even talked about just all the little fun things like the key witness is, is, is somebody whose vision is impaired. Like, you got to love well, that. We right? haven't even like, gotten into the fact of like, <laughs> you know, just like apparently just like the American justice system, one of the big problems I have in the American justice system is the way we use evidence and experts is in, inherently and insanely flawed. Like, we rely on science that isn't science. We rely on 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 proven fact that's not proven fact, blood splatter analysis. You know what that is? Nothing. It's fucking nothing. Yeah. And that's a big part of this trial. It's also a big part of our trials. It means nothing. It has been disproven and discredited so many times. And yet for some reason, it's still a thing we allow. It's, it's right up there with bite pattern analysis where it's like, Oh, the teeth lined up exactly. And the teeth are like a fingerprint. They're not. They're not at all. The guy that came up with that also got proven to be making the shit up. Even right down to. You can't even trust eyewitnesses. You You can't even trust eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses are insanely flawed. And and they will be there and see some shit and and still not get it right. Like, you can't even trust eyewitnesses. You (laughs) You can't even trust DNA. Because now. They're like, oh, DNA, we'll use trace DNA. Trace DNA is one of the most fucked up things ever. They found huge 
huge times DNA's fucked up. There's even been a, a case in Europe where all these murders got attributed to a serial killer because they were like, man, they were like, oh, it was a tall, slender, redheaded woman that was last seen with the victim. DNA profiles this. Man, they said a bunch of men broke in, but the DNA profiles the same from that other case. And all these killings, they're like, oh, DNA keeps coming back the same. And they're like, man, this person is running around Europe with all these different disguises. Nobody's ever describing them the same and just murdering people all over Europe. All with the same DNA. And they're like, man, this might be the biggest criminal mastermind that's ever existed. There's no even connection we can determine between any of these people. What is going on? The DNA was from somebody that worked at the company that made the swabs they were testing the DNA with. Oh. (laughs) Wow. That's why it was all coming back as the same person. Because these swabs were being sent all over the continent and coming back as the same person. Wow. Yeah. So much for DNA being accurate. Damn. Yeah. Uh, fingerprints. You know where they're like, oh, you, every fingerprint's unique. You know who? You know who said that? The person that was like, hey, maybe we should test fingerprints because I'm pretty sure they're all unique. Had no evidence of that. That's true. In fact, that's actually been proven. Fingerprints are not that unique. Also, do you know how they look at fingerprints? You know how every time we watch it on TV, it's, uses, it's showing a computer that's doing all this shit and analyzing and matching? That's not really how they do it. The computer does it mostly, but then they always have somebody that goes and looks at it to give their own markers and all this other shit. So somebody just stares at some shit and goes, nah, I think it's pretty good. This matches on six points. On an entire fingerprint? On an entire fingerprint, it matches on six points? What the fuck is that? six different places match up on a fingerprint. Have you seen a fucking fingerprint? And you're especially when you're like, Oh, they're all magically unique. And only six points line up. Holy fuck. That standard is low as shit. It's absurd. They use cell phone evidence in a lot of places where they're like, Oh, it was pinging off the cell towers. That means nothing. Those shits can be so inaccurate. <laughs> that means nothing. <laughs> there are apps that you can use to spam your geographical location on GPS. People have used that shit to catch Pokemon in Pokemon Go. Because they they made their geographical location somewhere else. So they could catch Pokemon. Get the fuck out of here with most of this shit. And you would like to think that, you know, maybe it's just America that's slow with our shit. Because our justice system is just bound and determined to just adapt at the speed of a dead squirrel. Apparently France hasn't caught up either. Because they're like, oh, man, look at the blood splatter analysis. Come on, guys. You definitely got to believe this science that's been proven to not actually be science. We'll even get another scientist 
to disprove their science with their own science that's still not science. Great. Fantastic. The linchpin of the evidentiary system, most of it's garbage. And now I get it. You have to give some leeway to some stuff because otherwise, how the fuck would you convict anybody ever of a crime? Anybody, yeah. But also, I think that it should be that important. That we shouldn't be able to make up science and make up, like, and that's the other thing too. They call it science. By definition, it's not science. Like, it's not. Oh, but this forensic science says this. No, it's not. It's not forensic science. Half the time, they're not creating experiments. They're not coming up with hypotheses. They're not doing experiments. They're not validating their experiments. They're not retesting their experiments. They're not having other people come and test their experiments. They're not doing any of that shit. They're not doing science. They just do some shit in a lab coat so everybody thinks they're scientists. Yeah. And then they put the the forensic, you know, fancy word after it or just like a forensic handwriting analysis. But ultimately they go, well, I discovered the, he, the way he curves his T's and the way the eyes are and, and the patterns of this mean that he most likely might have written this. Like that's, that's still, that's not proof. That's you're, you're still, that's a hypothesis still. Yeah. That is but by definition how, the hypothesis. But, yeah, that is a that is a hypothesis still. But then he'll say that, and then the uh, and then the narrator goes, "This show that that <laughs> that Derek wrote the letter," and it's like that is not what the guy just said a second ago. He said he most likely might have written the letter. That is not the same as this proves that Derek wrote it. Not really, though. <laughs> but it's funny because that's how we act, though. How many times in a TV show or in a courtroom or anything like that have you heard somebody say, to a reasonable degree of scientific certainty? <laughs> yep. You know what there is not? <laughs> that. That's not a thing. Yeah, I thought it's either certain or it's not. Yeah, it's either it either is or it is not until you can prove it. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's the thing with science is they might go, well, so far we think it's this, but we still we aren't sure. We're still testing. We're still proving. We're still working on it. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why there's so many things that are scientific theorems and not laws. Some things like the theory of gravity. Like. We kind of know gravity exists. But we haven't proven enough with it. There's still some uncertainties with it. That's why there's only a handful of scientific law. And they want to go a reasonable degree of scientific certainty. The fuck does that mean? If they had said that shit in French, I would have just lost it. I'll give the French that they had all the bullshit they were doing in that trial. At least none of those motherfuckers said that shit. 
Yep. They were coming up with every other bullshit thing they could fucking say in a trial. At least they didn't say that. Yeah, but, you know, like, we haven't talked about the sun. I mean, the sun's fine. I mean, I don't really know what else to say about him. <laughs> the sun's fine. I mean, uh, the, I mean, the sun that? is a very complex part of the story because you know he's lying at the beginning. Yeah. When he's like, oh, but I heard the fight. They kind of more or less showed that he, there's no way he heard the fight. And, like, we kind of also saw that he didn't hear the fight. Because we're with him when the shit happens. You know? So we kind of know that he didn't hear the fight. Or discussion or whatever the fuck they want to call it. You know what I mean? We know that he didn't hear that. You know? Also, where was the sun when they had the fight the day before that was recorded? Where was the sun for that fight? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder about that. Though he did say that whenever I would see them arguing or if they would start arguing, I would leave. So maybe he left before it escalated. Maybe he overheard arguing and left. But yeah, I uh, to some of the interesting theories I heard of people who think she's actually guilty. One of the things was, was the son. They said that. He lies at the beginning, um, towards the beginning about hearing the conversation, and that was to protect his mother. This was an interesting theory I heard about the film. And I agree with that. Then, like, and I think, then I the, think person, the film more or less says that, though. You know what I mean? Like, or implies yeah, it. Yeah, implies it. Yeah. Maybe, right? Like, most likely he lied about that, yeah. right? Maybe he just mixed it up, got it wrong, but I don't know. Like they were saying in the trial, he seemed pretty sure that first time that it, where he could touch and know where he is and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, but this person was like, I believe he lied uh, that first time to protect his mom. And then he said that story that he tells in court about the father and the father t- talking about one day the dog's going to be gone. And I think it's him. He said that that's a lie, too. And he said that the reason why he feels it's a lie is because we didn't hear the father talking. We heard the child talking, almost as if the child was speaking for the father. So he believed that that was a lie, too. And then he said at the end, whenever um, the Sandra, the mom, comes into the room and embraces him, the way that that was shot, he felt was purposeful that it felt like the son was holding the mom and kind of caressing her like the son was protecting her. And he took that to mean that all of this was a lie. She That, that the son was lying to help the mom and therefore he feels like that's he feels like she killed them. To me though, that kind of discredits the scene of the, the aspirin experiment. Cause then why would yeah. he do that? Why? Yeah. Why would he do that? Why, why would he do all of that? And the guy didn't say anything about that, but he just, you know, well, yeah. Cause I mean, just like in the trial, you're not going to bring up the shit that didn't fucking help your case. That, that, that doesn't help your case. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, you focus on the shit that does and you just casually ignore it and hope nobody else realizes it. Yeah. That's <laughs> what you do when you make a case. I get it. So, but yeah, but that's just, but it's just fun how all these people are coming up. And then there was hell of people that say, yeah, I saw the same thing. That boy lied two times. And I thought that was interesting. I just thought that that was just some fun artistic shit they were doing. But I think it's because it was take- a trial. Because, yeah, you know, you heard the husband's voice earlier because it was playing a recording. Right. He's telling the story. Therefore, you're yeah. seeing what he's telling you. But that's also why I actually take it as true. Because like I said, this movie only shows you what more or less it can prove. So to me, it's showing you that the son is recounting a story from his dad. Yeah. Like actually recounting a story. That's how I took it based on what they showed me throughout the movie. That's how I took this, you know? Yeah. And so, but, but I just, I don't know. I just found that to be uh, pretty interesting. I, I just thought all of that was, fun just hearing all these theories of people who are like, no, I think, and I think I heard um, the, the, the whole push thing. There were people that were like, I think she killed them some kind of way, you know, whether it was with the weapon or not, she did in some kind of way. Um, Like, and then they were like, because why would you kill yourself that way? Like, a fall from that height. Some people were like, how could you guarantee that you were going to die from a fall of that height? Like, why would he, if he wanted to kill himself, why wouldn't he have just done it a less painful way? Like they, they, they were kind there were people who argued that he just wouldn't have done it that way. If it was about suicide, would he have done it that way? So there were people even questioning that, you know, and if he tried pills before, which is something that's relatively, uh, which is a much le- uh, safer way, less painful, I guess, less risky way of killing yourself. Why would he go from pills to I'm going to jump from this height? So there were people questioning that even. It's just well, interesting all the shit I heard. I mean, you one know? reason would be because the pills didn't work. Yeah. Why would you do it again? Yeah. Why would you do it again? Mm -hmm. You know? And the thing is, too, not to get into this aspect of it, you know, too deep, but one can argue that somebody that's wanting them to kill themselves might not be looking for the most logical way to do it. Exactly. That what if your person's not, that was my, that's what I thought reading that, you know? Yeah. You, yeah. And, and not to say that, you know, anything specific about it, but like, yeah, just the mindset's different. It's super easy to not be suicidal and go, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You're, you're not suicidal. Exactly. So you can't ju- Yeah. And I was going to say that too. You're basing too much of this on, you, but you're you're not suicidal. You yeah. never had those suicidal tendencies, so you can't just be like, 
well, why would he do it this way? You don't, just like that lawyer say, you are not an expert on suicide. Like, how can you say how a person should do it? Like, (laughs) why do people think they can critique something like that? Like, narrow that down to... Like, by definition, somebody that is in a suicidal mindset is obviously in a different mindset than you are. Exactly. If you are you not in one. You can't possibly know all of that. Because so, it goes back to what we're saying. You can never 100% know shit. Exactly. <laughs> Anything. Anything. So You know, like any number of things. I mean, like to me, then that's like the flimsiest thing about it is like, oh, well, why would he do it that way? Because that's what he was feeling and that's what he saw. That's what he, you know what I mean? Like, it could be that you just had another fight with your wife after having the fight before you're, you know, you're feeling rejected by your friend that's a publisher and you're standing up there going, I could just jump over this. And it's done. Yeah. Pills didn't work, but this will. Bam. You know, it, yep. that could be why he was there and it was the opportunity of it all. Like, that's what he saw. That's what he thought and did it. You know, yep. because that's the thing is sometimes people that commit suicide aren't always planning it out either. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes it's what happened in that moment, in that instant that helped or, you know, helped them inform the decision to do it. It's not always, let me write a manifesto. Yep. Let me take a bubble bath. Let me, you know, prepare this, you know, and take five hours to do this. Sometimes it's just what you're thinking in that moment. And when you're up there, you're working with tools, you're doing this shit, and you're just, you just got in a fight, you go out into the balcony to get a breather. And that's what you see. Like, that is, you know, regardless of whatever you want to, like, argue or whatever, that's a potential scenario. Yeah. Because once again, the movie doesn't say either way. It does not. It but does it's not. a potential scenario. Yeah. And I guess the last thing I'll speak on that, that I wanted to speak on anyway was just towards the end where Sandra and Vincent, the lawyer, are talking. And I know that I'm thinking that if you're a person the the one person that I think might be put off by this the most is the person who expects to find the answer and doesn't get it at the end. Because you know there are going to be those people where you watch these things and all of this stuff and they're going to want to get all the way to the end and get the truth or get was she really guilty or not or get some kind of clue that maybe she was guilty or, you know, you know, there are people that just want that. Um, what I loved, too, 
is that like at the end of that, when she's talking to the lawyer and she's like, and he's asking, you know, they're kind of celebrating or drinking or whatever. And then she's just kind of looking all kind of nonchalant. He's like, what's wrong? And she says, well, I thought that after this, that I would feel more gratified or there would be some sort of reward or something like that, but there isn't anything. It's just over. Like <laughs> that that's it. There is no like big feeling or anything like that. There is no big reward or big result. It's just over. And we've been talking about how true to life things are. I love that line too, because that's very true to life. Like, you know, like these, sometimes these things happen and it's like, yeah, I won. I was, uh, you know, I was acquitted and yes, things could be worse, but now I've got a dead husband and I've got a son who now has had the trauma of what happened with that accident and his vision impaired. And now he's got the trauma of this and having to sit there in that court and hear all of that and analyze all of that and come up with something himself and try to make sense of all of this afterwards. And then you're going to have people who are going to treat this woman like she's OJ Simpson. Yeah, she got acquitted, but I think she did it, you know. Um, So you got all of that. So I like how the movie kind of touched on that, too. It was almost like this subtle way of them telling you, if you expected there to be this big, huge, like, celebration or reward, you expected to get to the end of this movie and get the reward, which I think is that's code for, like, the truth. That ain't how it works, son. You ain't never gonna really know the whole truth, man. You may never know all that. So I just like how the movie had its subtle way of illustrating that point one final time. Well, and with that too, though, it's, well, yes, sometimes movies are the break from real life. Sometimes movies examine real life. True. You know? True. And like we said, this one is more accurate to real life. You'll never know. You know, and as much as we as a culture have an obsession with crime and true crime and courtroom shit and all that shit. We can have all our opinions. We can have our thoughts. We can have all our shit. We'll never know. You know, and that doesn't mean you can't draw a conclusion. I mean, you know, like a lot of shit we have, you know, a lot of the opinions I have about people. Yeah, it's based on, on shit I've heard, shit I've read, shit, you know, that's been reported, all kinds of stuff. We'll never know what truly happened in a lot of those cases. That's why, especially whenever it comes to like predators or anything like that, you look for the patterns. It's like, well, this seems like a pattern. Therefore, I then, you know, logically deduce from pattern, this seems like a problem. 
therefore, issue. You know, when it's like a one-off incident and stuff like that, I, I understand why there might be some hesitancy with stuff. You don't see a pattern with it. That's when it gets tougher. And that's kind of what this movie even highlights a little bit more. It's not like she had a pattern of beating him that we know of. There was the one instance. Now, from that instance, can you infer some shit? Sure. As the, as the prosecutor says, how fortunate that we, we have the one audio recording of you slapping your husband in the history of ever. You know? But it's not like he, it also showed that he was like, oh, well, when he died, he also had a black eye from the day before, you know, with as vicious as that fight was and all this other stuff, you'd think you, there would be more marks to some stuff. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, there, you know, you can lean either way when you get some of these facts or some of this evidence, I should say. And that's one of the problems too. I, I do watch so much court shit. I do end up referring to shit as facts. Well, it's not, it's by definition, not. I, but in court, what do they do? The attorneys always say, well, the facts, you got to find the facts. This is the facts. You got to focus on the facts. A lot of that shit's not facts. Yeah. The only fact we have is that guy fell and died. That's literally the only fact we have, really. <laughs> yeah. We know they fought the day before. That's a fact. But what else? You know what I mean? Like, Everything else is conjecture. It's theorems. It's it's conclusions based on, on, on perceptions of evidence. Because that's the other thing, too. Evidence in it within itself is not a fact. Evidence is parts of shit. You know, it's like we could put a puzzle, you like you and me, Jason, we could be sitting on opposite ends of the table and we could work on the same puzzle. But then afterwards, you're literally seeing that same puzzle from a different direction than I am. So technically, our perception of the same puzzle that we both just worked on is different. Just because mm. the puzzle is facing one of us and facing away from the other one. So we both are literally perceiving the exact same thing as two different things. In the exact same moment. Evidence is that. They showed that. One person was like, nope, blood evidence shows it meant, it meant it was a hit from this angle from this. Another person looked at that same evidence and went, nah, that's crazy. You know, it happens. And I think this movie, like I like we said at the beginning, this movie would have been infinitely lesser if they went, nah, she did it. Nah, she didn't do it. Yeah, this is how the fight went. This is how the fight didn't go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it would have ruined so much. Yeah. This movie easily would have been like a 20 if they had given that shit away. Yeah. Because either way, you ruin any aspects of the movie. Yeah. You know? Like... There's a reason why it works in a Law and Order episode. They're fucking 40 minutes long. Yep. You can't have a two and a half hour episode of Law and Order and know what happened. 
Because then why the fuck is it two and a half hours? That's absurd. Yeah. It's uninteresting. There's no tension. You can keep tension for 40 minutes when you know what happened. You can't te- you can't keep any sort of anything for two and a half hours if you know what happened. But then also on the flip side of it, if you get to the end of the movie and you're you're drawing conclusions and you're thinking about things and you're doing your you know your your armchair Sherlocking during the trial and all this other shit, and then the movie just goes, This is what actually happened. Then it kind of ruins that. Yeah. Then you're like, but then what was the point of all this? Why did I sit here for two and a half hours just for you to tell me I'm wrong? <laughs> yep. That's not fun either. Good point. Oh, that would have that that probably would have been the biggest mistake. Not telling us at the beginning. If they told us at the end that that would have been the single biggest mistake this movie could have done. Yeah. Because, God, you would have sat there for two and a half hours and you would have had all these thoughts and all these theories and all this whatnots. And then it goes, this is what happened. And you would have gone, I was completely wrong about everything. Fuck this movie. Exactly. And either way, it just wouldn't have been, it just would have been nowhere near as good. And just imagine the whole movie basing its story on that's not the point. Cause there are several times where characters are like, where she's like, I didn't kill him. And the lawyer says, that's not the point. And then the other people are talking and it's like, well, did she do it or not? That's not the point. Uh, you know, it, it, so, and yes, that is true. That is not the point of the trial, but that's also a subtle thing of saying that is not the point of this film is for you to know who killed or who didn't kill. So I so I'm glad that they straddled that line and remained consistent till the end. Cause like you said, it would have just blown up everything if you get to the end and she pushes a cereal box off the table and smirks about it or something. Like, you know, it just I, I got a little worried about it after she went and talked to her son before she curled up on the couch with the dog. I thought she was going to like walk somewhere and like pull out the murder weapon and toss it in the fire or something. I was so worried when that was playing out, that was going to happen. <laughs> She's going to like pull out a chunk of wood or something and toss it in the fire. I was like, Oh no, please Bad. don't do it. And she just curled up and fell asleep with a dog. I was like, okay, that's fair. See, I was concerned whenever she got to that scene and the dog, um, walked up, I was wondering if maybe that dog was going to react in some sort of way that either indicated guilt or were they going to have some sort of interaction that indicated guilt or innocence and like nothing really happened. Like if she was like, I'm so glad you couldn't talk Snoop Dogg because you're the only one that knows, knows the truth. Yeah, or something like that. You know, I just was, uh, or the dog barks at something or reacts at something and you see that it's, and somehow subtly that tells you, oh, she's guilty. I was afraid. I was afraid. I thought there might've been a last little something there, but I'm glad there wasn't. 
though there were people that said the dog cuddling up with her proves innocence. And I went, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Get off with that shit. I was like, no, it doesn't. But that, that there were so many comments that were like, Snoop, cut, Snoop trusted her at the end. So that's all I needed to see it. I'm like, fuck off. Fuck right off with that. Okay. <laughs> Fuck off with this whole animals are the, the true deciders of truth and virtue. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. Especially not some fucking dog. That dog's like, man, you feed me. You're my buddy. Yeah. Come on. Oh, now, if it was a cat, I get it. Because the cats are the ultimate gatekeepers of truth and innocence. The fact that we don't have cats in every courtroom in this country blows my mind. <laughs> Man. No, I just but also, thought that was so like, Because it, 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 it's also one of those weird things that people don't get. Like, I'm terrible with people. I don't like a lot of people. I don't like dealing with people. I don't like kids. I know that's a shocker to people. I don't like kids. Kids annoy the fuck out of me. You ever see me around a fucking cat? I'm like, a, I'm like everybody talks about like what a woman's biological t- clock is ticking when they get around a baby. I'm that with any fucking cat ever. Pretty much. I'm with that. Like my grandmother's cat. One time, like when she, they just moved up here. The cat was really skittish, new environment, all this other stuff. I was petting that cat. I got the cat to calm down. Uh, my cousin's daughter, who was very young at the time, ran in the room, scared the cat because the cat was like all of a sudden back into anxiety. Cat clawed the fuck out of me, like blood dripping down my hand, clawed the fuck out of me. Next time I went to that over there, I'm like, hey, Kiki, like right back to like focusing on the cat. Like I didn't give a shit about anything else. I was like, oh, no, where's the cat? You know what I mean? I'm like, that cat violently attacked me at one point. And I was still like, where's the cat at? Let me find this cat. Like, yeah. So the way people interact with animals, yeah, those are all different things. Come on, get out of here with that shit. I just hate that. Oh, the dog knows. The dog doesn't know shit. I know, I know man. This is the lastly of some shit, man. A dog don't know shit. <laughs> oh, Red Tin Tin, Canine Cop. Who are all the dogs that know shit? So, Justin, the- you you really want <laughs> you really want to get hit by like some shit? Like, why you would really think that? Uh, my ex wife's dog. Uh, hated Santa Claus. Hated Santa Claus. So is everybody going to sit out there and say that Santa Claus is bad now? Because this dog hated Santa. Now, we know why he hated Santa. He actually used to be owned by a mall Santa that used to abuse the fuck out of him before he got Uh. rescued from that situation. So we know why he actually hated anything that looked like Santa. Why, I guess it was a good thing my beard wasn't white. Because... He, you you put up a Santa decoration, he'd get all scared, skittish, and hated it. Now, we know that as because he was abused by something that looked like that 
therefore did not like it. But if I if we want to go by that logic of oh dogs no, Santa evil's fuck. Yep. He killed somebody. Can't be trusting no Santa anywhere. Because the dog knew the Santa was bad. And I know none of you motherfuckers want to give me that win. There's another reason why Christmas shouldn't exist. Oh, God. Don't bring Christmas into this. There are so many good songs that you can sing. My dog says otherwise, Justin. My dog, my dog said Christmas is bad. That settles it. Guilty. <laughs> clink, clink. Lock it up. You got anything else on this, Justin? Nah, I'm good. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook where we're cinema underscore slayers. Check us out on uh, threads and Instagram and letterboxd where we're cinema underscore slayers. This score for this movie will be up on that. Which you will you'll be happy with Justin because of the way Letterbox works, and because we always round up here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, it will actually be getting four stars from us on that. So that's almost the equivalent of a B on that. Co, co. Uh, you can also find me on there if you want to look at my stuff specifically. I am CS Sterling C on Letterbox, and you know I want to know. I want to challenge people who's seen more shit than me. I, I, I'm from 1975 to now, I've at least been able to log so far 2,100 movies, which is about 200 more movies than if I'd watched one new one every week since I was born. So yes, that's my challenge to all the cine fans out there. Who's watched more shit than me? And I'm not, that's not even really a challenge. Like, oh, I bet you haven't. I'm actually curious. I want to actually know the people who have less of a life than me that have watched that much shit. That's what I want to know. I want to know what, who else is, you know, like I said, just does nothing but watch shit all the fucking time. That's what I want to know. I want to meet my tribe, essentially. Where are you guys at? Uh, and then we are also at Simulslayers Pod on TikTok and YouTube. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Uh, 50 cents PIMP interrupting your conversation. That's a weird choice that I kind of dug. I know. It was effective, though. That probably would annoy somebody in the right Because it was the instrumental version and loud as fuck. Yeah. Just on a loop. Yeah. Uh... Give us a five-star rating and review. Really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos, respectively. Remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we are pro-slut, pro-Sydney, pro-naked. You, yes, you, Cinevan, are Knuff. And justice for Chris. And also, just in case you're wondering, Henry Kissinger is still dead. I checked. Checked before the podcast started, had not rose from the dead. Still dead. 
right? You're going to wind up on trial. You need to police that. Hey. You know what? I if, if they ever came and accused me of murdering Henry Kissinger, I might confess to that. <laughs> I might go, you know what? I True. did it. I did it. <laughs> Sign go. me up for that. Let's go, prison, baby. Let's go. Hell yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to go to prison for anything, if it's murdering Henry Kissinger, I'm kind of fine with that. <laughs> That's tight. So you hear that, FBI? If you want to blame Henry Kissinger's death on somebody, right here. Sterling Condre. I live in Joliet, Illinois. Nowhere to find me. Like I need to tell the FBI where I live. They fucking yeah. know where I live. <laughs> I'm probably on some weird watch list of people that might have murdered Henry Kissinger. Probably so. Trying to figure where the fuck I'm at in this outro. Uh, and as I always in these TikToks, these YouTube videos, and this podcast, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Oh, I should have ended that in a different way. I should have said, and as I always in the, these TikToks, these YouTube videos and podcasts, just remember, according to me, I murdered Henry Kissinger. Fuck, I should have said that. That was the you perfect time have. to say that. It fuck. was the perfect time. It was the perfect time. Cinema Slayers. Hey, now you got to wait till another perfect time to throw it out. I know. I can't just do it next episode. It's kind of rough, but I was like, oh man, as all that talk I was saying, I should have just fucking said that. And it clicked as soon as I ended it. And as soon as I hit the outro music, I was like, oh, I should have said that. Just like a half a second too late. Damn. Next time. I missed it. Oh, well. Hopefully he'll stay dead for a while and I'll get to do it again. You never know with that motherfucker. (laughs) You missed it last week. I was talking about how I was kind of afraid that he was a lich. That he was an undead sorcerer. That he might just come back anytime. That's why I keep a lookout for this, everybody. I I swear he's a lich. This is all just a part of his necromancy. Because why else would you be responsible for so many deaths as that man was if you were not trying to perform some sort of soul magic and trying to create an army of the dead? Got a point. You got a point. I mean, you only commit so many war crimes for, you know, specific reasons. So. I wonder if it ever drives anybody nuts how much I love mentioning how many war crimes Henry Kissinger committed. And why I'm glad he's dead. But also... If you're not behind that, why the fuck do you listen to this? Like, I'll say this. If you love war crimes, this is probably not the podcast for you. Especially, why the fuck are you at the end of this episode? Why did you wait almost three hours of this episode to be like, ugh, 
they're anti-war crime. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of awkward. And also, why did you wait till like episode like 283 to fucking realize that too? Oh, they're all woke and hate war crimes. Ugh, I don't want to listen to this no more. Ugh. All right, I'm out of here.